0: Thank you. And good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Michael Joseph. Uh, Michael's a researcher and occult symbol of the occult symbolism and ritualistic elements in our world. Last year, he created an epic video series called Occult Science, The Hidden Deity of the Cosmos. In over 30 chapters, totaling 91 videos, he methodically tears apart then reconstructs an enormous library of occult data into easily digestible segments. Since the release of Occult Science, Michael has started a great new podcast called Proud to be Profane. His latest project, An Occult Guide to Cryptocurrency and Blockchain Technology, looks spectacular. Also, be sure to check out his NWO New World Order 2018 Astrological Forecast mini-series. Also excellent. Michael, welcome to the
1: show. Yeah. No. it's It's all in your head. <laughs> That's extremely. Man, hold on, guys. I'm s- oh, you guys were mute. Okay. No. No. They, they couldn't hear you. No, no, no.
0: I can hear you fine. There we go.
2: Are they able to hear us now, Chair? Yeah.
0: Talking about all kinds of cool shit. You guys missed it.
2: I know we were leading right into Michael's background. I said
0: everything that I was going
3: to say that was brilliant tonight. And that's (laughs) it. It's over. Goodbye, everyone.
2: (laughs) Well, all right. So let's, let's just dive in. I was going, I wanted to, what you were just saying, I was going to kind of segue into your early history, but let's just do that. And they missed it. Oh, well, Um, because we'll probably circle around. Um, So, give me a small like let's go back to your earliest memories in this life and um the stuff that you that sticks out now for you now that that you feel maybe influenced you in some way
3: um let's see here um i guess uh kind of interesting the the name that i have on youtube schism 206 it's originally taken from a tool song, but um, it kind of now that I've done all this research and kind of gone into a lot of, uh, you know, these esoteric things, and then I reflect back on my life, I guess that's kind of a fitting name, because the first real schism that ever happened to me was my parents splitting up when I was younger. And, uh, you know, that's not exactly uncommon, but um, I, I guess uh, I, I told this story to a uh, Isaac Weishaupt, I did something on his podcast and it was kind of in the realm of, I kind of made up my mind what I thought about politics when I was probably like eight, nine, 10 years old. I can't remember exactly when, but it was like the first election that I can remember. And uh, we go to, you know, you go to elementary school and it's, they're telling you it's this huge deal and, you know, you're selecting a president, it's really important decision, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, you know, they kind of, ask you you know who your parents are voting for stuff like that and so this was the first time that I really ever noticed before my parents got divorced like them kind of uh I guess like bickering or taking pot shots at each other kind of like behind each other's back so when I go home and I'd be like oh you know like what'd you do school today oh we talked about you know the election and I believe it was the George Bush senior Michael Dukakis uh think that's what it was that's that's best i can remember but anyway so um you know it in uh typical, yeah 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 there you go that was the first one i remember so i was uh six years old and um so you know in typical programming fashion my dad was more of a republican and my mother was more of a democrat and so i noticed that when i would talk to them about it you know they would kind of like say a little something about the other one, Uh, you know, oh, your mother's voting for him or blah, blah, blah. And then my mom would say the same thing about him. I'm like, well, what the hell, you know, like this is the first time I really noticed my parents kind of, you know, being mean to each other and it was kind of foreign to me. And I'm like, well, why is this so important if it's just making my parents fight? That was like my innocent child reaction to this. Everyone's telling me this is the most important thing and like, you know, whatever, USA living here. And so I'll always remember that. And I never gave two shits about politics moving forward. I never voted except for once when my ex-girlfriend basically, I just did it to get her off my back. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. And and it was for, uh, I guess, Carrie. So I guess that was a better. I feel okay about that one in comparison with George Bush. But then you find out they're all bones men. So yeah, they are. <laughs> but but when, anyway, that was like the first thing that I can really remember that would relate to kind of the things I discussed.
2: When so when you were observing this behavior with your parents, how was it? How was it affecting you emotionally?
3: I, I guess I just it was more of like, uh, I was taken aback. Like, um, I, I didn't like it. Obviously it was just a, it, did, it just made me kind of confused, I guess. And, uh, a little sad. And, um, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you know, you just think, well, they're my parents and you're just observing stuff. You don't really know a lot of what to make of it because you're still kind of absorbing what's going on in the world and being like, well, what the hell is this all about? You know? And then, uh, uh, I don't remember. It's been a long time, but I guess maybe a year or two later they got divorced, and then then I started noticing a lot of uh a lot more of the fighting. and maybe I didn't notice it when I was younger before that, but that was the one time I noticed like subtle hints of it, and I guess maybe it was this um, precursor of things to come.
2: Did you ever feel like you were responsible? For, or did you shoulder any of this yourself that you're aware of?
3: Um, not really. I've actually been pretty good about not feeling guilty about most things that if I objectively look at it, I didn't really have to worry about it. And I definitely felt guilty about some things that I still do to this day. And I, uh, you know, made some bad decisions, but, uh, stuff like that, not really. It was just sort of, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very conducive to the song schism by tool where it's like, I know the pieces fit, I watch them fall away. It's like you've seen your parents together working it out, being fine, and then it kind of goes away. And then this is a pattern that would kind of follow me into some of my relationships in life and uh very strangely stems back to that. So, you know, I don't know. It's uh it's just a it was just a time in my life where I, I was I was very much in the middle with stuff. Like I, I, it's still how I am. I would see my mother's side of things sometimes. And I would see my father's side of things sometimes in terms of what they were doing to each other. And I understood probably the reasons why they were frustrated with each other. But at the same time, I don't know, it it, it was weird. So I had this balanced relationship with them in terms of that. I I, I was never like more partial to either one. Um, They both had their, 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 uh, flaws and they're, they're good things. And that's kind of how I approached, I guess, as I grew up, kind of the way I would look at things is, uh, you know, you're obviously at some stage in your life going to deal with your parents' issues that are imprinted onto you and you start becoming yes. like them and whatnot. And so for me, I kind of adopted the, the axiom of take the things that I like about them and try to be like that yes. and things that I don't try not to repeat that. Yeah, and then you go through a cycle where when you try not to repeat that and you don't do those things, I got um, well, I, I guess more from my father because my mother died when I was younger. But my father, as I got older, oh. some things he would do would really kind of. Uh, he he's he's a very uh, messy person. I want to reveal too much about him, but I I was a very messy <laughs> person when I was younger, and then I realized that I didn't function well like that. I I actually once I moved out, you know, when I turned eighteen. I slowly started becoming a much more organized person and I realized that that was really how I was. And um, it's funny in retrospect, because when I started getting into astrology, I had my moon in Virgo and I really realized that so much that I identify oh, yeah. with.
2: Yes. <laughs> and so
3: I'm the exact I, I need things of that, in order. <laughs> I need things in order and and, and stuff like that. And my, my father's not that way at all. And so I would get sort of resentful about it. And then I had to go through this layer of, you know, kind of like forgiveness of your parents. Yeah. Understanding that I can't change them. I can do everything I can to just do what I need to do. And so now that I I mean I have a great relationship with my father and it took a while to get that, but it's a lot of it just stems from, you know, things in your childhood and then how you deal with them as you get older. Um, I think will, will shape a lot of those things. And luckily for me, I was, I was always able to, I never had like this any pent up resentment that made me like over, overly rebellious in a way that was nonsensical. Um, but the things that I had issues with. I was able to be pretty good about not, um, you know, not being too too much of a jerk about it. Sometimes I did, but I would learn quickly when I was. I'm like, oh man, like I gotta stop being like this. This is my dad. You know.
2: Are you an only child?
3: No, I have a younger sister.
2: Okay, and since you already teased us with some astrological stuff, <laughs> what what is your sun and rising? At least get the three out.
3: Um, I have Capricorn sun and rising. Oh my. Oh, yeah the, the sun is on oh,
2: that saturn energy
3: yeah and my also my saturn's in libra and it's conjunct pluto and they're both square my sun, ascendant and nodes
2: so oh my goodness it's
3: pretty interesting like once i learned about astrology but my my moon and my son are trying and so maybe that's perhaps why i'm able to you know my dad and my mom be kind of like this harmonious balance between them i don't know you know (laughs) yeah that
2: trine energy is nice um okay so back back to young you what what kind of stuff was affecting you or did you enjoy in in like the world like the in the city going to the woods tv shows music um you did mention an awesome song by tool though i love tool
3: (laughs) yeah um I guess you know, music was something that I enjoyed growing up and it helped me through a lot of things. I was I was kind of like a sort of a metal head when I was younger, but I really liked a lot of the, the more you know grunge bands. Um and then I went through this really weird like hip-hop phase in my late teens and like 17, 18 years old, but it was at least what I considered to be good hip-hop. Um and then I realized like I I liked it, but it wasn't like it didn't really you know, it was kind of like this this fad that went through a lot of my peers and I did enjoy a lot of the music, but it wasn't really me, you know, and then I went back to like rock stuff and that's really who I was. And then eventually, um I I was in college for a very short stint and I hated it. And I can say that now. Back then I would I didn't want to admit that. And then I started playing guitar and I was really not talented at all with music but I, I was so frustrated with my experience that I thought well the other component is what I did when I was a kid I played a lot of video games that was kind of my escape um, I also played sports and stuff so I was kind of weird I was kind of like a nerd but also played sports and I would party when I was later in life and you know had which video games friends. did you like I liked a lot of the I guess uh more like I guess RPG fantasy stuff. Like I play like a lot of the old Final Fantasies and Zelda games and but also, oh like, God, some I also like sh- Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I like some of the shooters like James Bond, 007, and I was also like really good at video games, so that helped me like <laughs> escape even more. And then once I kind of realized that I'm not gonna solve a lot of my problems <laughs> from sitting around playing video games, not the most attractive thing, especially the girls. So I um I decided to transmute that into playing guitar. But the problem was I was really not talented at all with music, whereas video games it just came natural me. But I just forced myself to get better at it. And it's it's I that was when I really learned a lot of discipline and I I really kind of went kind of crazy uh trying to get better with music. It's kind of like the amount of time I put in the Occult Science series is kind of like the amount of time I, I put into guitar for pretty much all the way up until the whole conspiracy shit hit my life.
2: It's yeah, so, well, this is so yeah. Saturn, too, to just get your nose to the grindstone. And, and you also grew up in a time where uh,
0: you could actually make a living playing video games. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not, you know, it's, not, it's uh, less likely than becoming an NBA star, probably.
3: But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's definitely something that could happen. Well, it's funny because now I look back and I see there's so much... Interesting programming in those games Yes, that's related to yeah. a lot of occult stuff. I mean, like mm-hmm. freaking Zelda is filled with it, you know? I know. For, for better or for worse.
0: <laughs> I've heard that uh, some of the games on some of the larger networks like Xbox Live and things, they're, they're sponsored by the DoD. Or there's some arrangement where they get like the best people who are like kill shots and shit. They'll, they'll yeah, bring yeah. those into the military, you know? <laughs> hey, this guy, he's this my good drone pilot. Or the fashion games after their systems in order mm-hmm. to monitor who's best at it. I don't, you know, I don't think Microsoft's involved. Maybe.
3: Yeah, and I have like a weird relationship with video games because now I, I see it. I see the control mechanism behind it, mm-hmm. and it's like exponentially increased. But it's also, I have to admit, there was, I think, a lot of benefits for me playing video games when I was younger in the way that back then, in like the '80s and early '90s, they're way harder to now. I mean, now it's like all about playing against each other online, and I. I had some experience with that, but that was about when I started transitioning out of it. And so, you know, uh, you know, to, to beat some of these games, you had to memorize all these patterns and there was no saving points or anything like that. So I think it really helped develop my brain for identifying patterns and just memorizational skills because I can like go back and like, I don't know, grab one of the Mario brothers and I still know how to go through it. It's really crazy. Like I've done it like drunk at parties before when like, you know, like, Oh, like in the, in fricking college, there was like some Mario, you know, um, super Nintendo Mario there. And I, I knew how to go through it and beat it quickly. And, like, I was like, shit, I can't believe I remember this stuff and I'm fricking drunk. You know? So it's weird how that stuff like stays in you and then it never leaves. Oh yeah. 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 It's for, yeah there. for better it's or for worse. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So,
2: It is. Did you have a relationship with nature at all?
3: Yeah, I grew up in Vermont. um, So it's pretty woodsy there. And, you know, ironically, a lot of what I love about it now, I didn't really, um, I didn't really appreciate as much for the first part of my life. But I did love going out. And swimming in all these different brooks and creeks with my friends—that was like my favorite thing to do um, in the summertime. And again, like when I was younger, I was really lazy and kind of depressed a lot. And so I—I I had friends that had to motivate me to go do stuff. So I'd be sleeping; they'd show up in my house, like in the you know in the summer or something like that. They'd my ass out of bed and be like, we're going to go climb a mountain today or something I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> so luckily I had a lot of friends who were much more initiatory with things than I am, or I was. And then over time I, I had to kind of break out of that extreme laziness that I had, but it was kind of because you would grow up in a, an environment that is, uh, you know, it was sort of like this messy kind of hoarder environment where I lived it was it was very in disarray growing up and so you know you don't really know who you are until you start really kind of examining your life and what's what you're doing and the one thing I can like it's funny if I look back and I think about like who I was when I was 18 years old like some of the decisions I made I'm like proud of myself because I'm like dude I don't know if I would do that now I would like you know, cer- certain things and and certain mindsets, but it was sort of like uh, I, I really started to realize that I did not want to be, um, you know, thirty years old in one of these like regular jobs or something like that. I I, I was also very observant of people who are older than me and kind of sensing how happy they were, not not like the face that they put on to say hi to you, but just. A lot more subtle, intuitive things, and then I'd start analyzing sort of like you know well, you know what do they do what's their behavior and i, I noticed this in my early twenties. I used to work in a kitchen, and the, we'd get these uh you know mid thirties people come in and they would be like, after we're done, like where's the party at you know and they were fun i I liked them I didn't dislike them, but I always thought like, man, like I don't want to be thirty five years old and and being that kind of person like still going out trying to party with 20 year olds. Like at the time, like I didn't mind, but like I knew I didn't want to be like that. So I'm kind of like, I learn objectively, I watch other people's behavior, and then I see what I like or don't like. And then that affects me rather than some people have to go through personal experience to figure out how they feel about a lot of things, Most more of the time, I should say. Not that I haven't learned from personal experience, but that's usually like my first layer of trying to figure out what I think about, you know, I should do for like planning my life <laughs> God, yeah, sorry, as a tangent <laughs> I, I find it's
2: like a mix we're fine with tangents It's um it is I I feel like I've lived a million lives within this lifetime so like like you had said earlier like when I focus in on me 18 I don't even recognize that person although I did make some pretty righteous decisions uh, um so Still back in your youth, were you if you don't mind, how old were you when your mother died?
3: Uh, I was eleven.
2: so that was young. that's quite young. Um, and can we talk about that a minute if you yeah, don't mind? Sure. How did you how was how did you process that like did it did did it and I'm looking for like dream stuff and how you were kind of there's I <laughs> <you> told you <laughs> they always make an appearance um how did you how did you emotionally process that, and of course, speaking from now, where you are now, so you can kind of speak in a detached way
3: yeah, actually, I mean, looking back, I feel like i I dealt with it pretty well i I have talked to my dad before, and he said that I had these like fits of rage sometimes that I do not remember at all, like I just literally have blocked that out, but it wasn't something that happened a lot. It was just more like. Within the first couple of years, but other than that, like I never, I never felt, I never felt sorry for myself. Or when I did, I felt like it was wrong, and um, like it, it, not maybe not like that it was wrong, but just like this isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, and um, I also felt like I didn't really have a problem talking about it. But I felt weird talking about it because of the other people's reactions. Like, you know, I'm probably like, oh geez, this is going to be a, a downer. Or like, when's the appropriate, Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, kind of felt like I would hear other people, you know, kids my age, they don't think about those things very much. And probably, I, I guess. And uh, I, I just felt like. I was putting them in an uncomfortable position, so I was more concerned about how other people felt with me talking about it rather than me talking about it. So I just, uh, I don't know, I just kind of moved on, dealt with it. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of things about it that it just changes you. It just makes you grow up a lot quicker and makes you not not care about certain things. Certain things aren't as big of a deal, you know, as some people are making out to be. So. I would notice there'd be like a lot of drama amongst people in my you know, social circles or my friends that I was just kind of like, this is just dumb. And I, I didn't judge people for it. I just kind of detached from it. And I'm like, okay, let's wait till we start talking about something interesting. So I was the kind of person that I always wanted to talk about more in-depth things anyways, just kind of growing up. Like uh, I didn't have any problems having like sort of philosophical discussions. And I had a few friends that we could talk about stuff like that here and there. But just generally speaking, I kind of kept to myself about it, but it wasn't something I felt like I was repressing or anything. I just, just kind of how I dealt with it. And um, I had a lot of good friends and family, like my, a couple, my best friends, they they had a really nice family. They like, I, I would go over there all the time after school. I'd go to their houses to do homework where it was clean and orderly and they'd sit down for dinner and stuff instead of going to Taco Bell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, What's, I mean, what's we, wrong
0: with hanging out at Taco
3: Bell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hanging out there is fine. But I, I, used to, uh, I used to eat terribly too. That's the other thing. And it, was, it just didn't know any better. That's just kind of what happened. We'd go to McDonald's and Taco Bell and I wouldn't think twice about it. And then it, it's, over time, I had to break out of that. And now I'm, I'm much more health conscious. And that's something that I had to learn a lot too. How to be more healthy and and, uh you know, like the Virgo moon, you want to be efficient, and when you're not being very healthy, you can't be efficient, you know, you get tired. And so to me, it was more like I need to be healthy to be productive, to do the things that I want to do with my life, or when my mindset was on music, well, the only way if I get better at music, it's only gonna be helpful if I'm healthy. So A lot of my filter was just through working on music. That gave me a focus to just go for something and and not really ask questions, not worry about anything else. So everything I did was kind of through that, like I would get jobs that I felt were conducive to that. Is there any way that I could figure out how to work on something in a situation where most people wouldn't think about that, but I could find a way, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that's really how I got through a lot of it. Um, and b- b- before that was just like hanging out with friends and, and playing sports. I, I played soccer and basketball and I, I loved being outside playing sports. So that was more of my nature experience. And uh, as I as I got older, you know, I, I started smoking pot with my friends. I was probably like mid-17, 18 years old. And I'm glad that I didn't do it earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then I became more like disinterested in school. My, la- my senior year, I just did not give two shits about school. And, but before that, I was always like, okay, I should probably try to do well. And, um, But like, you know, by that time, I was like, okay, smoke some pot and go play ultimate frisbee with some hippies. <laughs> and that was fun, you know? So I kind of like, I was weirdly in a lot of different worlds. You know, I was I liked everybody at my school. I got along with everybody. But I always had issues with those people not getting along with each other. So I was very Saturn and Libra, very like yes. objective to everybody, yeah. and I liked everybody. But when people didn't get along, that was what would stress me out more.
2: Did you? Um, and just to wrap up the some of the early stuff and the stuff with your mother, did you have dreams? Did she pop up in your dreams when you were young, and even even now, has she ever been in that landscape?
3: Yeah, not so much when I was younger, not that I can remember, Um, but I have had some over the course of, I don't know, I guess my 20s into now. Um, I can't recall the time when I had them, but I've had some where I'll meet her. Um, Sometimes it's like meeting her and talking with her, and it's, it's not like she's gone the way we're talking. It's like nothing happened. And then sometimes this is probably the the one I'll remember most because it was kind of weird. I remember I was in this like uh, very like a uh, barren train station where it was like I was almost like uh, a little bit desert-like, but with big rocks. And there was this giant train coming through through, and that was all it was. And my mother was there, and um, I was just like talking with her about whatever. And it was one of these things where I hadn't seen her in a long time. So we were just talking. I can't really recall any of the conversation. But then I remember this specific moment where she was like, okay, the train's leaving. I got to go and you can't come with me, you know, so. Oh, wow. That's rather profound.
2: What, what? So in general, when you have seen her and including this one where she had to go on the train that you couldn't, couldn't board, um, what's the emotional response from you? What's... Are you emotional at all when you see her?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get sad about it. Um, other times is when I'm hanging out with my mother's side of the family. Now I might, like, picture her there. Like, what would she be like if she was older mm-hmm. and hanging out with them and stuff like that? And, like, you know, I'll definitely, like, get sad sad and cry about it. But it's – I feel I feel good about it when I do that. You know, it's not like – it's not like bad for me. It's, it's kind of funny to say. And um, my whole thing with it is just sort of like try to take what happened and, and try to make it as positive on the opposite side as I can from that. So any challenges or anything that was frustrating from that, try to channel that into something positive. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. been my viewpoint with it all. But as far as like the emotional things like i'll a lot of it will be just like i'll fi- I'll find something randomly in the house and i'll just I'll get these things to remember it's It's weird I remember she used to she used to get a lot of colds um I mean she got sick with cancer, and that's how she died, so I think the last couple of years she you know would be a little bit more sick than often more often than not, and so I would find these old jackets and there's all these old tissues in there and Aww. uh And then, I don't know, I can just, I I actually, it's weird. I can probably like remember like smells more than anything else. Like it's hard for me to picture the sound of her voice. Um, I can't really recall it at this point. I mean, it's been so long, you know, but
2: um,
3: sometimes I'll get a smell here and there and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of something.
2: Yeah, that's very cool.
3: (laughs) And then uh, lilacs were her favorite flowers. So whenever I see those, that's kind of like,
2: it's lilac season right now, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I actually got uh, something I missed from Chicago. <laughs> Lilacs, so,
2: Jerry. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, um, yeah, and uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. As you get older, it, it becomes it became less and less that I, I would think or would be reminded, but whenever it would happen, I have a lot of memories. So. They're still pretty vivid once my memory gets jogged.
2: Once it kicks in. Did you? My turn. Oh, carry on. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Have you considered the numerological significance of the age you were when she died?
3: Not really. Um, I also thought it was interesting. There's this Tool song called "Jimmy," and the the singer, his mother didn't die when he was 11, Mm -hmm. but she came down with like some crazy illness. Um, but. Not really. Uh you know, I, obviously one of those important master numbers in right, cultism, except, but that's what I was thinking, you know, new uh, beginnings and all that. And, yeah, yeah. I never I never really thought about that. Yeah.
2: How old was she?
3: Uh I think she was forty-three.
0: If you said 39, I was gonna laugh. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> Another cabalistic <laughs> note. No, just forty-three. <laughs> um that was all I, that was my question. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I, I like the n-
0: numerology
2: I mean, I stuff. I actually circled it because I find that quite significant.
3: The numerology stuff. I just think it's interesting. I don't get too obsessed about it. I did kind of go crazy with it with some of my research, and I'm like, dude, I need to pull back because some of this stuff is just sort of like you get so immersed in that world, and it starts like it's a giant you, rabbit you, hole. You kind of descend into madness a little bit. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> with you know, you start working with like five or six different uh, cemetry <laughs> ciphers and. Like oh my god oh my god oh my god and it's like, it's, not, it's not
3: pretty. I think, I think birth path numbers are interesting, but I don't like, I don't attach like, like a ton of deep significance to it. It's just something I find interesting. What's yours? Uh, Twenty six and then reduces to eight. So you're a life path eight. I'm a seven. Yeah, I'm a seven. Yeah, that well, that's part of some of my series is like. Going into some of the life path numbers for certain events. So you uh you have the JFK number. Yay, yay me. <laughs> the uh the the chariot and the tower card, those are like the counterparts for that. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Did yeah. I you kind of roboted. Did I hear you were born on a 26? Uh yes. Oh, okay, cool. Me too.
3: Oh, that's cool. And I, I've noticed that. I, I get some, yeah. like, 8s or things that add to 8. Like, right now, my address is uh, 44. Um, oh. You know, Schism <laughs> 206. 206 yes. is completely arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, cancel out the 0, you get another 8. Just It's yeah. funny, there's a lot of 8s that will pop up here and there. It's kind of funny.
2: Yeah yeah i agree there for me too i landed at an 818 address when
3: That's
0: you get to be fair. our our age you'll see it's a bell curve you know it all you, everything will show up eventually a lot
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so um how is the dreamscape Oh, Lord, I don't know what's going on outside. <laughs> but I want to know about how your dreamscape was when you were young. Like, how you're so, like, this is like, this is like, maybe did you have reoccurring stuff, right? Did you have nightmares, sleep talking, walking, any of that stuff when you were young?
3: I had one reoccurring nightmare. I'll always remember it. It was about this. Can I swear? <laughs> is that okay? <laughs>
0: Go fucking nuts.
3: (laughs) It's about this fucking doll. (laughs) And it was like, I don't know, if you remember, like, there was like those, um, like fold over paper clothes that you put on some doll thing. I didn't like play with them, but, you know, like having a younger sister and being around toys when you're younger, you'd see those things. So I'd have this weird dream. And I'll always remember this. I must have been like four or five. I don't know. My, my my dad would be like, oh my God, like I remember you waking up from those dreams and what would happen was, this is really strange, but like it would be like the paper doll silhouette thing coming at me and it would always be in my parents' room. I didn't sleep in my parents' room, but like I would be in their bed, lights off, no one's in there. And I'd hear this weird piano music, like if somebody was just hitting all the keys, like really in dissonant ways, like whatever. And then this thing would just start like creepily coming at me. Like, you know, like you just seen like the ring or something when the girl's coming out of the well and she's all like, whatever, like that's what it would be coming at me. And it would freak me the hell out. And I had probably like two or three of them. And then I did have a final one where I wasn't scared of it anymore. I was just kind of like, this is just dumb. So somehow at some point I decided that this dream I'm having that was scaring me was just kind of silly, but um that's There's, the only nightmare when I was young that I can really remember very vividly.
0: There was a show on FX last year called year too, called Legion. It's a, a Marvel comic adaptation.
2: They're, it's amazing. Amazing.
0: It is really interesting. The uh, The main character was plagued by dreams of a paper character coming after him.
2: Hmm. This season is blowing last season away, oh, by the way. Oh, it's trippy. <laughs> um, okay, so... Oh, also... Um, this is this is interesting for Jerry and I at least. Do you have you? So you said you, <laughs> Fuck you. have done devil's lettuce, and um, which I call that—that's marijuana. I call it devil's lettuce. I love that term for it. Um, anyway, but have you played with psychotropics at all?
3: I think you'll like this story. Um, I'm not really one of those kind of people. Um, I've I did mushrooms a couple times when I was. 18, 19. But the first time I ever did hard drugs, I was like five years old.
2: <laughs> wow, dude.
3: I did LSD when I was five. Oh I'll tell you the story. <laughs> um, this would probably fall into the dream category. Uh, so what happened was I was at my grandmother's house and I was playing hide and go seek with her. And um, I love my grandmother. She was awesome. and but <laughs> she was not very good at hide and seek. And so I, I ended up hiding in the corner behind this chair. I can still remember it was like this green chair and there was like a stool behind it. And I was kind of down on the stool. And now that I think about it, I probably deserved it. She comes in the room and she can never find me. And so I decided to scare my grandmother. So I jumped up and I just go boo. And then the stool kind of slipped and I came down on my tongue on the top of the chair like that. I cut a hole in my tongue I was bleeding all over the place so I had to go to the hospital. And um, so the doctor comes at me with this giant needle trying to numb my tongue so they can sew it up and I freaked the hell out. And so I was just like, after seeing that huge needle, I was just like hysterical apparently. I mean, I, don't, I, I, I vaguely remember this, I'm just kind of hearing. Uh, I'm telling the story from my parents' perspective. And so the doctor, there was like this kind of hippie doctor there uh, out of the uh, more serious doctor and uh, the one that was trying to jam the needle at me was the more serious one. So the hippie one comes over to my dad and it's just like, you know, there is a medicinal purpose for LSD. Um, it can be uh, used for anesthesia in younger kids. And but they have to be a lot younger than a, they have to be younger than a certain age, and I fit the requirements. So, (laughs) apparently, they gave me LSD, and that knocked me out. And they were able to sew my tongue up. And then I woke up, and I remember this, uh, that my parents, I could just kind of see, sort of their faces or heads, but they were distorted. But it was all very like watery, and they were kind of slowly floating counterclockwise in the room and they were talking to me and I was just kind of like, hey, how's it going? And they're just very slowly just spinning around, just this sort of like essence of them, but there was still mildly a face shape and they were trying to give me ice cream. So (laughs) that's uh, my first uh, psychedelic experience.
2: That's amazing. I've never even heard of that use for it.
0: Ice cream on acid.
3: That Maybe the thinking. guy just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it works. Wow. And I, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that I, I came out all right. <laughs>
2: I love That's a first for me. I love that.
0: And this is a stupid question because I'm sure you won't be able to answer it. But did you notice any change in your thinking or cognitive behavior after that?
3: I can't say that I did, but I was really young, right? Um, Right. so maybe it did something, but as far as I can understand, like I just didn't really think about it, and um, my my dad will argue with me and say that it was just him there, but I remember him and my mother being there, so I don't know.
0: (laughs) It it just seems that a lot of people seem to get a whole new perspective on life once they have their first psychedelic experience in their teens, Mm -hmm. the people we've talked to so to have it at six i wonder if
2: <laughs> five
0: <laughs> or
3: five yeah it was pretty young um no there's nothing and,
0: wrong with it i'm just, it's cool
3: yeah yeah it's just, it's one of those stories like you know like people will do like you know you you grow up in your late teens early 20s and people are trying to be all impressive with their drug stories but like, oh i smoked pot when i was like nine <laughs> I'm like dude, I did LSD oh when I was 5. Fuck you. Like I would say it in like a joking way. Like I don't I never got like I hated that stuff. Like this I hated one time I was this five. competition thing about like how yeah. many drugs you did, you know? Like, yeah.
0: right, right, right. <laughs> this one time when I was 5, I tripped balls.
2: <laughs> and it wasn't at band camp even. Oh my god. That is that's awesome though. I do I had I I was aware that there were other uses for it. I just didn't I didn't understand that it had found its way in into that kind of use for people under a certain age. So that's fascinating.
3: Unless the doctor just made it up and had some on them.
2: <laughs> no, but I can't imagine <laughs> in reality that that would be a yeah, case yeah. <laughs> so that. Yeah, man, that's crazy. We, we're getting all kinds of um, interesting stuff like this with the show It's quite a wide Noxman Tate rocks. <laughs> um, what about Thinking about the general, your general experience with religion as a young person, was it in your life? Did you know what? What were you kind of indoctrinated into, if I may use that word?
3: I grew up Catholic, sort of. Um, and you know, went to church, I was an altar boy, I went to a Catholic elementary school. And you know, I don't have any problems with it. It wasn't like weird. There was nothing wrong with the priests. Actually, if I met any of the priests today, I'd go have a cup of coffee. With, you know, um, they they were they were good people, and you know, I I didn't have an issue with it. I mean, I always thought like this is kind of weird. Like I'm dressing up in these robes, carrying up these wafers and wine, and it just all seemed kind of silly to me. But I respected that other people respected it. I didn't want to like be a jerk about it. So. You know, I'm always the kind of person that I'll do something I think is kind of silly if I don't find it to be like completely against, you know what I mean? If it's just like, all right, this is gonna appease somebody. I don't think it's overly harmful, like like whatever, I'm just gonna do it. And so, you know, I got confirmed and got the hell out of there because my dad wanted me to get confirmed. And, you know, I, I treated it as um at that point, every I think it was every Monday, we would go over to the church after my middle school and Um, high school, and you know, I just hang out with people there, and none of us really took it very seriously. In fact, my best friend cheated on his confirmation test. It was hilarious. Like he brought in this little cheat sheet. He's like, "Dude, I got to get out of here. I got to make sure I get." I actually failed it, and I just talked to the priest, and I was just, I was just honest with him. I'm like, "Listen, I didn't really study. I just kind of want this to be over with." And he totally understood, and it was just, you know, like. So, you know, it was just one of those experiences for me. It was just the way it was, and I got through it. And But I always remember um, being in church, and I was just like, you know what? Like, if God cares so much about us, he wouldn't have us sit down and kneel so much. You just Or get up and stand and kneel and whatever. It's just like, this is uncomfortable. Like, wouldn't you just want us to just sit and chill out? You know, like, these are like, they, like, they, like the, the dumb thoughts that would come through my head, like, um, and then certain things, like I remember uh, I would have uh, some of my friends, parents um, that went, went to the church. You know, we all go downstairs and have, you know, donuts afterwards. But they would, when I was in the car with them, they're like, make sure you put on your seatbelt. And I'm just like, hey, if, if God's in control, then I don't need to put my seatbelt on. I was kind of saying it in like a, like a, I don't know, a joking way. But at the same time, I was kind of serious too. I'm like, "I used to you know. If this is uh, if this is how it is, like, why do I need to have my seatbelt on? It's, if an accident's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's up to the divine order. And I've actually always had that kind of sense about things in my life, like, w- with those sorts of things. As long as I wasn't doing anything I thought was, like, too stupid, I felt like, you know, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Something could fall on me randomly somewhere, and nothing I can do about it. So I kind of just I- – I've – it was me like expressing my own opinion on spirituality, but sort of at the same time taking a jab at like, well, you know, if if this is all about faith and stuff like that, why are we having faith in seatbelts over God? You know, <laughs> I don't know. That was just the way I was.
2: I, I love that. It's, the questioning and all that logic is um, a good thing. I think, especially with things you can't control, you know? So what did, did you, where are you spiritually today? Like, how do you how do you feel about all that?
3: Um, it's interesting because as I got older in my twenties, um, I I was fine with like certain aspects of uh, well, here's the thing. Now that I look back on it, I re, I I think that the Catholicism that we go that we grow up in is just a a guise for esoteric Freemasonry, so you have these secrets and all these rituals and all of the stuff, but then you're getting the more outer meaning you know Noah's are all that so um my my whole thinking with a lot of it was just kind of like you know, I don't know what happened thousands of years ago, um and I always thought like I was never really a conspiratorial person until you know the waking up um I don't know four or five years back, but I always just was like, didn't trust humanity at large or like power structures. So when we were learning history in school, I would think like, what if somebody has made all this shit up? Like, why am I learning? Like, wouldn't that be crazy if this was all just kind of made up and we're learning it, like it's so important. Like I just, I was so disinterested in things from that angle. And so I wasn't really like that trusting in these sorts of things. So when it came to like biblical stories, I'm like, I don't know maybe there was a flood maybe there was an ark maybe there wasn't but i'm like why would god care if we believed it one way or the other like i just it didn't make any sense to me it seemed like well that's kind of like if god is supposed to be this all-encompassing like incredibly the the, the perfection of intelligence and understanding of our human condition why would he give two shits if we believed in noah's ark or not it just didn't make any sense to but I, I never, like, I was like, well, maybe there was a big flood, maybe not. I've always been pretty open to, like, supernatural stuff, but I just, like, why would I have to say that I believe that when I don't know? That just seems kind of silly and, and almost arrogant in a way. Like, you're putting all your faith in something that,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know. And so, like, this was kind of my relationship with a lot of that stuff. And then as I got older, I, I really hated when people pushed um, the the kind of, evangelical saved Christianity on you. You know, you'd be walking down the street and somebody would come up to be like, can I talk to you for five minutes about how Jesus died for your sins? And I would just get really mad at them. And I was just, my biggest issue with it was like, you're selling your religion like it's a t-shirt. You're going out like people do when they're advertising, you know, their, their new car wash they just had or something. They just opened something like that. Like that was just the vibe I got and to me, it's just like, okay, if having this relationship with God is supposed to be this personal, deep thing, like, shouldn't that just be between you and without anybody else? You know what I mean? And why do you need to go out and try to force that upon somebody? It, to me, it was just sort of like, you're actually negating what I think would be something healthy about any sort of version of spirituality. It's just sort of like, you know, if you're trying to espouse that, oh, you know, God knows you and who you are and what you do, then, then why, like me walking around trying to get somebody to believe that I'm, I'm, it's, it's almost like you're saying, well, I can, I can do it better than God can. Like, why would, you know what I mean? But their mindset is like, oh, this is what God wants me to do. Right. So I was always just very mad about when people would try to push that whole, like, you need to be saved and all this stuff. I just never really understood that. And as things evolved and I looked into the more conspiratorial aspects, I kind of went into both polarities cuz what happened was when I woke up you're in this new stage of infancy, right? You're you're like there's this whole world of things that's been going on that you're complete you've been in the dark about your whole life. Maybe you've had some inklings or intuition towards something going on, but when you start really looking at all of the, I guess the, the occult aspects, the occult religious aspects, that's what really got me when I started learning about, you know, Freemasonry and the, the, the 9-11 symbolism and stuff like that. Um, that was like, holy shit, there's this religious agenda. And so that to me forced me to look at a lot of spiritual perspectives because if we have this controlling group that's in charge of so many institutions and they have religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs, I think it kind of forces you to look at it from that perspective like what what do you think about religion in the spiritual world or uh you know whatever you think is going on in the metaphysical realm and so I kind of went through this polarity where I went I kind of got a little crazy new agey <laughs> and then I got kind of like the opposite side I actually ended up becoming like more of a a saved Christian. That I was hating before. And then I realized that I was getting sucked into things. I was, I, I had a you, you, you go through these mindsets and you just get this filter. And then I kind of will go into them a certain way. I don't, I don't talk about it with people. I don't start telling everybody my beliefs, but just in my head, in my mind. And then I start realizing, wow, like this is really making me act in a way that's not me. This is not who I am and these aren't the things that have made my life better. This is actually making me probably a worse person when I think about something in this way or that way or it might be making me delusion. And then I start realizing, okay, now I'm having the mindset or behavior of a cult member, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so then I start to realize and then I back out and I have to kind of take the things that brought me into that perspective that I, just like what I was talking about with your parents, right? You take the things that you think are good and healthy and then the bad things, you you purge them you try not to do them but i have understanding for people who fall victim to it and so in ironic fashion it's sort of like this version of alchemy you have these two polarities i was i went to the extreme on one of them in, in my mindset and i've kind of fused them together my own understanding so i sort of look at it from a fusion of a more orthodox christian viewpoint but more in the description of of how things work not in the literal aspect i kind of look at like the occultists do as as allegories or stories for human consciousness the way people behave and and so to me the the orthodox understanding of satan or lucifer matches up more with what i see but i don't there's certain things that i don't like i don't i don't i'm not one of those people who has like problems with gay people or anything like that like that whole area of it i don't that's not me you know what i mean so there's things in it that I I think are profound, but then there's the Gnostic side of it, which I find profound things in there. So I kind of fuse them together and I think that that can be kind of confusing to some people because a lot of people in the, the truther world are kind of used to one or the other and they're kind of combating a lot. And so that's kind of, I know it's a long answer, but that's kind of where I'm at now with it. Everybody likes their boxes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And their
0: echo chambers, yeah.
3: And sometimes you gotta go into a box to, to understand that. And now I understand how people can get programmed for certain things. And my whole thing is this if something's being hypocritical, if you're trying to say that your spiritual viewpoint says this is how it is, but if another spiritual viewpoint says that same thing and, and you're demonizing them for it, like it's just being hypocritical. It's sort of like a. I guess sometimes in Christianity people will um I'm trying to think of a good example. we will say that
1: uh I guess uh you know our
3: um this this version is is the truth. You know, like this is uh because of the the Bible says this or that, that's what's true, right? And so I'm like okay, well you're really basing it on the fact that you think that this scripture is inspired by God. So what happens when another group says their scripture is inspired by God and you're just like, well, no, that's satanic. That's the deception, ours is right. I'm like, well, what if you looked at it from the other side of it? You could say the same thing that you're, you know what I mean? Like, they, They could say the same thing about you. What's the difference? And this is my issue with a lot of it is like, I just notice a lot of hypocritical behavior with certain viewpoints. And when I start seeing that, and especially when people start using like buzzwords or language that like, like a lot of people, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be like a bashing person here, but some people will use these, use these arguments. And I've read like some C.S. Lewis stuff. And when they use these arguments, I'm like, you're just regurgitating what C.S. Lewis said. Like you're actually like, I'll, I'll, I've read some of that. And I'm like, you're repeating it verbatim and they're acting like, well, this is proof. And I'm like, you reciting something line for line. That just intuitively tells me like, you're taking someone else's argument and trying to put it forth as your argument without adding your own flavor, your own individuality to it. And when I start sensing that I immediately like red flag, blind you know what I, I kind of like, okay, something's going on here. And so, if I find myself starting to do that, I get red flags. I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Like I am being just like what pisses me off. And I've had it, that's that's part of life. You you do that. You are susceptible to programming. I'm no different than anyone else. But having that honesty to realize that you've been duped, I think is the problem that most people can't get past. That
2: that was good and thorough. And yeah, it is always good when you when you that projection happening where you start doing what you hate <laughs> you know and those things I um, let's talk dreams now Michael yeah, so, now,
0: now that we got the second half of the show out of the way <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, well it's all that background stuff is so perfect because it gives us an idea you know of what what is going on and within your own Little soup of you, and it's relevant. So, what is the how does the dream dreaming look to you when in just a blanket, you know, like are you a person that sees color predominantly? All this, what are the predominant themes in your dreams as far as tactile, color, audio, all that?
3: Um, yeah, it's definitely, I definitely would say there's color in a lot of my dreams um a lot of it i if i was gonna sum it all up in one word it'd be frustration <laughs> i have a lot of frustrating dreams that not you know frustration doesn't mean that like they're scary or something but i just there's something not right you know it's like confusing like i'll, I'll, I'll give an example um you know i have these dreams where i'm someplace and i have a guitar and maybe i'm like in some theater, people are wanting you to play, or I'm just in a social situation. And there's something wrong, either with me or with the guitar. So sometimes I feel like, oh my God, like I can't play. Like I feel like I'm just extremely drunk and I'm just like, oh God, like I, I forget. I'm like, dude, I know, I know what I'm doing here. And then the other times it's the opposite. I feel like I can play just fine, but the guitar will like bend like a Gumby arm and like the strings will start like detuning or Something will snap, like something's not right. And I, I, I feel like, okay, oh, yeah, I freaking rock this right now, but like this guitar isn't working or it just, it's bending in half. It's like rubber, it's not even, you know, usable. I'll have a lot of those sorts of dreams. Um, so either way, it's very frustrating. I can't do what I need to do in this situation. So that's kind of like a main thing. Do
0: you ever get any secret space program dreams?
3: <laughs> no i don't um <laughs> i have a i've had a lot of zombie apocalypse dreams and uh alien invasions dreams i uh i might <laughs> blue bubbles any blue bubbles in those dreams no 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 blue bubbles uh i guess it's like the movie cloverfield that mm. was probably like one of the dreams it was very similar to that um, and. Uh, yeah. The zombie apocalypse. Read, I've had many of those. And sometimes, I mean, I know I've said like, well, a lot of my dreams are frustrating. Sometimes those are actually, I would consider fun. <laughs> I'm like, Can
2: you share a couple with us that you um, remember?
3: Yeah. It's tough to remember specific ones. I remember there was one where it was just like on this road, there was a big field, there's the ocean down below and then some houses and you know, it it was just me and maybe a couple other people. I can't remember, like, the people I'm with a lot of the time, but, like, you know, I'm just going in and there's uh, some zombies in there, and I gotta I gotta take them out with whatever I got. Sometimes I will have frustrating dreams where I have a gun and I'm shooting them. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to die. I just shot you in the head five times. You're still coming. This isn't fair. <laughs> but overall, it's just sort of like, I don't know, just every zombie movie you see, it's kind of like that, and Luckily, like I don't feel like I ever die in dreams. I I feel like I'm at a point where oh god I'm falling. This would normally kill me, but it doesn't happen. So, luckily, like I don't have a lot of fear about that sometimes. And then, I guess the other frustrating thing is sometimes if I'm in a dream and I feel like it's it's fun or I'm enjoying it, that's when I'll realize I'm dreaming and then I wake up. That happens a lot. Um, and then, I guess. In terms of like environments, very earthy, sometimes watery, I'll have dreams about water and stuff like that. I have some dreams where I'm like kind of up in the air, but I'm never too high. You know, I'm never in outer space or anything like that, whatever outer space actually is, I don't know, but it's uh it's very very grounded, very watery and earthy for the most part.
2: Do you, so on, I actually want to um, go back and maybe if you could share a couple of the alien invasion dreams too, at least themes. I'm interested in that.
3: Yeah, when those have happened, I've been in the city. Um, and there's just like shit going down in the sky. I kind of hear like weird alarms going off. And, oh, I do remember one specifically. Uh, I was at. Um, I live in Boston now. I was at my apartment and my girlfriend, she used to work at this uh, co-op place. And so in the dream, there was all this stuff going down and I was trying to help the people around me, my roommates, and I'm like, you know, I really need to get over my girlfriend and, you know, freaking save her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so on the way over, there's like, you know, aliens in the street trying to kill people, stuff like that. and. um You know, eventually I got over there and I was able to find her. And after that, I was extremely relieved. No matter, even though stuff was still happening and going crazy, I was actually just very calm about it. I was like, okay, I got her. We die together. We die together. That's the way it should be.
1: (laughs) What did the aliens look like?
3: Um, Kind of hard to remember, but I guess... Probably like similar to what you've seen in movies, like all skinny shapes, weird, deformed heads, stuff like that. Some of them might have been more like apparitional, a little like ghostlier flashes of light where a shape takes form and then it darts and then kind of dissipates. Um, and then some of it is just sort of like, oh, I'll have dreams about seeing a bunch of craft in the sky. And I'm like, dude, that is not normal. Something's going down kind of like independence day kind of stuff and <laughs> that it's funny cuz like that that a lot of that happened not all of it but a lot of it when i was like you know first looking into a lot of conspiracy stuff and i was going down that whole rabbit hole of aliens and nephilim hybrids and stuff like that and now i'm kind of like like
0: james I comey right
3: yeah, I, I, I don't know how I feel about a lot of that stuff. I, I I wonder how much of that is legitimate or not. I'm kind of more of like I I, I not to poo-poo anyone who's like an alien person out there, but I'm kind of more of like this psyop person around a lot of it. I don't but I do think that there's a lot of uh interesting paranormal stuff. Like I'm I'm open to that, but at the same time, I'm a little pessimistic about certain things and the way it's it's presented. So my, my whole thing is like, unless I experience something for myself with these things, I'm not really going to be like out there being like, oh, this is, this is real or that's real or Bigfoot's real or something like that, you know, but I have had a, a few paranormal experiences in my life, but nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm, I've always been very interested in other people's stories.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Um, it just begs the question, what you were saying though, is what, what is real? if these people experience these entities or these beings in whatever state of consciousness they're in, is that not real?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting thing to think about. And I always think about that too. Like, outside of this realm that we're accustomed to, like, what is going on? So when people are, you know, in altered states of consciousness... Is there even
0: anything outside of it? mm
3: Mm-hmm. And um, I tend to think that there there is um just cuz of my own personal experience but i also uh people kind of take that externalization of things to an extreme sometimes but um i don't know like have you ever seen the movie the skeptic
0: no i don't think so
3: it's not the best movie in the world I'm not kind sure of the if I have. uh it's it's basically a typical haunted house story this this guy is a skeptic he's a lawyer he doesn't believe in anything supernatural I think there's a logical explanation for everything so he inherits this house and it's haunted to him. And he has all these repressed memories and it's actually the ghost of his dead mother haunting him. But the way it goes through it, it leaves you with a choice at the end. Was everything happening to him in his own head? He was hallucinating, he was envisioning things. It was his psyche that was repressing things that couldn't be repressed anymore or was there actually an external ghost? And I think that that's what's interesting Whichever way you look at it, whichever way you choose with it, the effect is kind of still the same. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I view a lot of this stuff.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I totally yes.
3: Perfect. And uh, yeah, so it, it, there's there's a lot of movies I think that are are good like that. They leave you with this choice of uh, of two ways of looking at something, but. Mm the end result is still kind of messed up. Like, have you ever seen the movie The Conspiracy? I think so. It's about, uh, it's kind of like a documentary style of these two guys. It's kind of like Alex Jonesy. They infiltrate this Illuminati ritual. Um, but anyways, at the end of the movie, you're kind of left with a choice. Was this all an elaborate prank to scare one of these infiltrators, or did they just kill him? And it's pretty interesting, because I like, remember like reading some reviews, and people were like, I like, I don't understand, like this movie was so dumb. They just like, let the guy go. I'm like, dude, they killed him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's so funny. Some people would like have that reaction and it's, it's very interesting. I, I like movies like that, that leave it open.
0: Uh, there was um, the game is, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't leave it open. I mean, but it's, it's also an example that where this guy doesn't know what's going on.
3: Yeah. That's a very uh, esoteric movie. I use that as an example a lot.
0: Maybe that's why it's on my mind today. <laughs>
3: Well, it's the, um, you know, it's very interesting because it's it's a hoax event played around somebody with racist actors, Mm. and they...
0: Flower pickers.
3: (laughs) That's our (laughs) term for them. Okay, there we go. I don't want to get a a video shut down. Um, So anyways, that's the premise, and um, they psychologically tailor it to him, and there's a lot of Gnostic themes in that where, like, this death and rebirth and this... Like, if you think about a lot of these initiation rituals, they're supposedly, like, allegorical, figurative. They're a play, right? Um, And so that's what he sort of signs up for, kind of unknowingly, but of his own free will, he still signs up for it. And I don't want to go on a tangent here, but there's just so many strange, interesting Gnostic themes in that movie. And the end is sort of like this grand spiritual rebirth, uh, at least... From that perspective, granted, he's he's still uh he doesn't care about material possessions anymore, but he's still a billionaire.
0: <laughs> he's basically gone through an initiation.
3: Yeah, yeah. What
0: are, what amounts to an initiation? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of words. The the thing about um is it happening or not seems to come up more in some of the series I've been watching, like uh, Counterpart, which is an interesting new show on Stars and. A lot of scenes are between people and themselves from another alternate universe. So you get you left with that question is he really talking to this guy physically? You know?
3: Yeah. And I've noticed the, a theme in a lot of horror movies where now they're going the psychological route with a lot of them. And I wonder what that's about. It's kind of interesting to me. Like, uh, and, and it always there's, makes me mad that he do it too. <laughs> there's
0: only so many ways you can slice up a body, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've
2: always loved the psychological horror.
0: And if you look at uh, the movies that are produced year after year, they, the, the the amount of horror movies, slasher fix is just going is is becoming a majority of the films that are released. Mm-hmm. Which that could be why too.
3: Yeah, and it's weird. Like I'm one of these people where I have this probably unhealthy fascination with kind of like messed up shows or things like that. I don't want, I mean, I don't really, I don't want a TV. I'll watch some stuff on Netflix with my girlfriend. Sometimes I try to. But you love faces <laughs> of death is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, this, there was a show we watched called the following that I like. Um, it was kind of predictable after a while, but like it was this dark show and the end of it was very interesting. The, have you ever seen it? Kevin Bacon series.
2: I have,
3: yeah. Well, it, it sounds so familiar. I just don't remember.
2: It just, I it wasn't one of my favorites, but I did, I did watch it.
3: It's not for everyone. It's pretty messed up, but it's basically. See, about, I like, don't
2: think it's that messed up. That's why it wasn't one of my favorites. I remember, uh,
0: I remember now. I did not watch it.
3: Well, it's about like uh, cults that go around serial killer cults, mm-hmm. and then the very end, um, there's also oh, there's another theme that I find a lot people faking their deaths, and most people think that they're dead except for a few initiated few. And I wonder Mm -hmm. what's going on with certain celebrities with that, but um, the point is at the end of it, he fakes his death and he ends up becoming, he he was an FBI agent, but he ends up becoming a serial killer himself. And now he's, the, the, the where they leave it hanging and there was supposed to be another season, was he was gonna start hunting down bourgeoisie, Illuminati type people who do messed up rituals in mansions. And then they canceled it. I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah they always seem to do that. It's, it's interesting. If you, this
0: is another thing, too. If you look at the shows. that I get, just
3: ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yeah, okay. spoiler
2: alert.
0: Go back and look at shows that had one season but produced a, a lot of episodes or a lot of good content. Because it's interesting what gets canceled and what gets through. Because there were a ton. In, I think it was 2005. There were like three separate ET invasion shows that started.
2: Well, now it seems like when they pitch the shows to the producers, they pitch them, they're shorter now. So it's like three, they pitch with the ending and they're like three seasons and they wrap them up instead of leaving it like Firefly and all this other stuff where there's, where it never got picked up again. So they have one even. Yeah. I totally forgot what I was going
0: to ask. It was a really good question. (laughs) Oh, I know I was thinking, what I was thinking was that um, in a way, what you were describing the following, where this guy's investigating these groups who are doing these things, and then he becomes that thing. It's almost like a, another initiation path, really, where you start learning about, say, the occult, and then you become an occultist.
3: Yeah, tell me about it. Right?
0: <laughs> well, uh, do, do you do any uh, magical, magical work?
3: No, I don't do any of those sorts of things. Okay. I just use it as a system of i guess well one especially with like the astrology i really like it as a system of categorization and classifying things in a psychological sense Mm -hmm. you know like uh taking a planet or a sign and there's all these different attributes archetypes whatever it's really like now i'm at the point where if i meet somebody i'll be like oh you know this person's kind of a more of a, a Mars vibe now. Is it, a, <laughs> is, it a, is it a healthy Mars vibe or is it a, a, a more, more like... like yeah. yeah, you know, and I'll yeah. just, I'll start assimilating guesses about like, maybe they have certain things in this sign or maybe they have this or maybe like one of these houses and um I, I've gotten better about it, mm-hmm. like, but it, it's just like, I think it's a great system to categorize things. And so for me, um, I... I have a relationship where I'm very restrictive with it. I don't get into certain things because I just don't feel comfortable with it. I don't feel like for me personally, um, that's it's not my bag, baby. It's not my bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but, and like, even being, being a Saturnian person, I'm also just very cautious and careful. And I, I like borders and restrictions and limits when, when I feel comfortable.
2: Where is your Pluto stationed?
3: Uh, Pluto and Libra, right about the very end. What house? Transitioning. That's, a, that's a debate for the house system. Um, Placidus, I have my moon, Mars, Saturn, and Pluto all in the eighth house, although Pluto might be considered on the cusp in the ninth. And then if I use the Coke house system, which is I usually use that now, Pluto and Saturn would be in the ninth.
2: Okay, interesting. Um,
1: isn't
0: something going on with pluto
3: right now it's retrograde or it's uh it's about to hit the original point in the 1776 yes that's what America I mean. birth chart. yeah the birth amazing return.
0: <laughs> pluto return that's what it was mm-hmm. uh, that you were talking about that plus there's also uh uranus is going into taurus
3: yes which yep. is
0: significant
3: two three four weeks from now yeah like but it's entering yeah.
0: the 29th degree pretty soon
3: yeah. And uh, I did a little bit on uh, Uranus and Aries in my occult science series with all of like the, the social justice hysteria that's been going on. And then on the technological aspect of it, all of these different projections and technologies being introduced in like this pioneering way, the Aryan type of way, you know.
0: Now, you know, that totally jives with like, uh, do you know what Cliff High is? Uh, yes. Okay, so Cliff High's WebBot reports, that's what he was talking about later on this year. There seems to be a lot happening September, you know, fourth quarter this year. Seems to be like it's going to be interesting.
3: Yeah. yeah. And that's I, I, uh, I go a little bit into some of these things in the, the cryptocurrency videos. I don't know. I'm terrible with financial stuff. I don't know anything about it, but I just look at the esoteric things. With all
2: the- that Capricorn energy, too, I would expect you to be a pro.
3: Well, I have my moon... Arabs, my moon and sun, you know, being in Virgo and Capricorn, so they're much more like earthy and probably not, uh, you know, not conducive to being metaphysically minded, but they're both in the eighth and twelfth house. So,
1: mm.
2: oh, I, yeah. The that's one thing there when there I too. learned about the houses <laughs> in
3: astrology, I was like, oh, you know, now the house system really explains a lot about me in relationship to that. Where before I would look up generic interpretations of like, Moon and Virgo and Capricorn, Sun and Ascendant, they'd be like, oh, you're probably a really cold person.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I can be
3: sometimes, but I, you know, I feel like I'm also somewhat empathetic. And I think that a lot of the 12th house stuff happens with that. And it's not always the best thing in the world. Sometimes I have issues dealing with people and feeling what they feel. And that really bothers me for the rest of the day, even though like I'm kind of still detached from it. It's weird.
2: Can I ask you a question about lucidity in dreams? Sure. Do you experience it? Do you get lucid?
3: Just knowing that I'm dreaming? Yeah. Yeah, that's when I wake up. (laughs) So I've had very few instances where I was able to take control of it and sustain it.
2: So when when it happens, um, okay, so before you wake yourself up, which is a common thing for people, the, to re, they realize they're dreaming and then for whatever reason they they jump back into their shell um what what happens in this this time frame when it does wake you up generally and examples exact examples are great too
3: usually it's when i'm doing something pretty fun <laughs> so like of it, maybe i'm playing basketball and i can just like dunk like crazy and it's not a problem for me like holy shit i can do whatever i want right now I'm dreaming (laughs) and then like instead of going on and just like kicking the crap at everyone I'm playing against I wake up (laughs) things like that you know
2: do you so in that moment when you are aware that you're dreaming is your does your focus change at all is what made you real what generally makes you realize you're dreaming is there a shift of focus how is this working for you
3: I guess in some depressing way it's almost like oh things are good all of a sudden I must be dreaming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no I, I say that in a joking way but <laughs> yeah like, yeah. you know it, it's that's kind of but that really is what it is I think like good in a way that it's just like beyond what's normal for me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, that, that's kind of the catalyst I guess
2: and has every time you have had this experience ended in you waking up right away have you been able to write it out a little bit
3: it's almost like you're on a train and it gets detached and I'm trying to get it back on the track. So I can, I can kind yes. of stay there for like the next, I guess in dream time, next minute, maybe 30 seconds. And then it just, I'm awake. yeah. <laughs> I do have a lot of dreams though, where there'll be really Epic dreams where I'll wake up and then I'll go back to sleep and then I'm back in it. And that's yeah. usually like the zombie apocalypse or these like really crazy dreams where like, I, I, I woke up and I'm like, dude, If that could have just, if I could just take all that and make it into a movie, that would have been an awesome movie.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And those are probably all in color and sound and all that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That definitely. um, Yeah. Sound. Oh, yeah. You asked me about that before. Definitely. I I feel like I have my full five senses. Um, Sometimes my sense of touch feeling isn't as refined as some of the other ones. I can always see things clearly, despite like maybe it's like this weird, watery, drifty nature to it, but I can still see things, you know, and uh, my, my hearing is is good. and I'll have a lot of fit times where you know, it probably happens to a lot of people. You'll hear something that's going on around you, and it will incorporate into your dream. So some I used to go to sleep with music on. It's Really weird, that's one thing. Like, I used to do all the time, like clockwork, and then now it's just it's none. Probably because, like, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend next to me and she doesn't want to hear the stuff before I go to bed, but like, and so a lot of times that will incorporate into the dreams. And uh, you know, it's hard to remember specific examples, but it would definitely like change the mood of the dream sometime. Or I would have like really comedic dreams where, um I used to wake up to the radio when I was in middle school or high school, because back then we didn't have all this fancy technology and, you know, it's had the radio, clock when radio. I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I had the same <laughs> clock radio that Neo and the matrix woke up to in the first matrix. I guess a Panasonic one. I loved it. And so nice. I, uh, those were the best with the flips, <laughs> the flip letters. Yeah. You know, flip numbers. And, um, I remember, uh, there was this Melissa Etheridge song on, uh, I forget what it's like. Does she love you like the way I love you, or whatever that song? Yeah, is. oh yeah. I remember having this dream. I was in my cafeteria, and this random girl that I knew—like, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know her that well. But she—I remember in the dream, she stood up on top of the cafeteria table, and she was just like all diva about it. And it was like hilarious to me because that's the kind of girl that would never do that. And I'm like, what the hell was that dream? You know what I mean? Like, just like weird dreams that I'll wake up and I'll just laugh. I'm like. Just because it's so like strange, like how did that even exist? <laughs> you know, it's just kind of funny, I guess. But
2: do you have you gotten any feedback from your girlfriend that you sleepwalk or talk?
3: I don't. She's never really mentioned it. Um, I've had some times where I've done it. I've heard stories, but for the most part, I'm not one of those people. Um, my dad told me when I was younger. He was up late watching TV one night. And apparently, I just like walked in there, just kind of like staring, looking around. My dad's like, hey, Michael, how's it going? I'm like, all right. And I walked in, you know, I must have been like four and a half feet tall. And so, you know, a little kid walking in and I just, uh, I sit on the couch and apparently I just like looked down and I just like leaned over to like grab something that wasn't there. And I just sat there next to him. My dad's just like kind of like the hell's going on here? It's kind of laughing about it. And then I got up and I'm like, I'll see you later. And I walked back and went back to sleep. That was like one of the only times I've sleptwalked that I know of that somebody has told me about.
2: That's a good one. I like that. So you were definitely in the dream though, reaching for something that wasn't there. It's yeah, great.
3: Who knows what it was, but like most of the stories I have with that kind of stuff, it's just kind of like hilarious. It's just so off the wall. <laughs>
2: Do you experience sleep paralysis at all that you're aware of?
3: Uh, never. Um, really? My girlfriend has had a lot of experiences with weird stuff like that. Not so much anymore. Um, and so she's told me a lot of different things. Um, and did they happen before you guys were together? Or uh, yeah, and then. At the start of us being together, it was really weird. There was a lot of very strange metaphysical things going on. Um uh, you know, I don't I would talk about, about no, it. Cool. No, it's no, cool. I, I would I would need to get her permission first, but basically, uh I, I definitely felt something that did not like me. Mm-hmm. And oh. um she was uh involved in, in, in cer certain like uh, esoteric, you know, tarot things and stuff like that for her own purposes. And so,
1: mm-hmm.
3: whatever things were communicating to her, Stuck were telling, <laughs> telling, the, like telling the opposite of what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And it was like, a, definitely trying to get me, trying to get her to break up with me. It was really We had a very strange start to our relationship. There were a lot of, like all of the core issues that we had as people mm-hmm. came out immediately. But also because I'm really like, when I talk to people, Especially if I'm, you know, looking to be in a relationship with somebody, I'm like really in depth and open about stuff because I don't want to bullshit about things. So I'll just start talking about all kinds of deep, intense things. But but it's like natural to me, so I don't think it's weird. And so some people I've done that too on dates. They're like, oh my god! Like I told one one girl that I was just mildly interested in astrology. Mm-hmm. Like, not not even trying to push it, not trying to say it's real. I just, like, hey, there's some things about it that I can't help but say have wrong true. And that just, like... And it was weird because she seemed like this, like, you know, Aquarian-type person with, like, the, the Hot Topic gear. I'm, like, sometimes some of the, like, musician-type people are, like, the most closed-minded to that stuff, and it blows my mind. I'm, like, how the hell do you, like, are you not even interested in this? You know, it's, like, so... I've had instances like that but but back to my girlfriend there was definitely some very rough things that happened and that's actually more of like the 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 I wanted to actually break up with her because there was a lot of baggage there that I felt like I didn't deserve to have to deal with and it's actually the more that was when I was like more looking into certain like aspects of Christianity and it's really that mindset that got me through it but in this way it was the idea of sacrificing you and your needs for somebody else in a way that you don't see any foreseeable gain. It would have been way easier for me to just get the hell out of there. Right. Mm-hmm. But something told me like, you know what, I, this is important for me to do, even though it's, I, it, I went through a lot of really intense, bad so, emotional So did, stuff. You,
0: did you pull the demon out of her or not? That's what we want to know. I think so
3: because <laughs> I don't know what I did, but like I, it was more up to her of like, uh, you know, it, it it was kind of one of these things where eventually it all just went away. But at the start, it was really weird. And I would be like, especially when she would go to sleep, and this mm-hmm. this would be interesting in relationship to the dreams. As soon as she would fall asleep or get to that point where she was there, I would just feel this intense, like magnetic tension around me. And it was really uncomfortable. And I would actually have to go out and sleep in the living room sometimes, at least for a little while, and I'd mm-hmm. go back and it'd be okay. But right within the the first half hour of her falling asleep, I I I couldn't explain it. It was just very strange. I was just like really uncomfortable and really tense. And I could just I all I could do is chalk it up to something really didn't want me there. And it was very frustrating.
2: Do you think some of it could have been your own fears of attachment since your mother died so young? And then the divorce stuff.
3: Perhaps. Um I don't know. It's it's tough for me to say because um I I probably had this reciprocal nature to it uh, where, you know, things that I'm putting out getting reflected back, but um, there was definitely certain issues with my mother, something back to my childhood that have come out in relationships and that's kind of like a lot more deep. I'm probably not going to go into that, but. Oh yeah. That's that's all right. (laughs) There there is that, but like, um, I guess it was just weird. Like, it was strange to me, why after she fell asleep would that happen? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it
2: yeah.
3: was almost like to me, there was something external there. Or maybe coming from her side of things, because why wouldn't I have felt that 20 minutes earlier or something like that? It was it was it was also like clockwork. It was a pattern. And I wouldn't I wouldn't like expect it. I wasn't thinking about it happening. It would just kind of hit me. So I, I guess. Most I think likely those issues she, were
0: involved, but most likely she kept the uh the entity shielded or it hid behind her shield, or however you want to think about that. And when she went to sleep, the shield dropped, and that's
3: why you could feel it. Yeah, and she's also had a lot of things like trying to contact her, giving speaking voices to her, she's oh wow figures at so the end she, of the bed, stuff like that. She was definitely she seems shielded,
2: fascinating. Yeah. She seemed fascinating to me. Did in like her sleep paralysis stuff, if you can, like, have you ever, so for me, let me put it in context to me and then you can see where you want to go with that. But I sometimes get caught where I can't wake, wake up and yet I'm, I'm in my flesh and I'm trying to scream or move anything. And then I end up physically screaming at the point where I'm able, that's the point when I've pushed through and I'm able to actually get control of my body again, but I've had that feedback where I'm I'm screaming or yelling you know essentially and so what's going on for me is I'm just trying to get control of my body have you experienced that with her um most of that stuff
3: that's happened to her happened before me not with me but okay she, it was always an issue of control like she felt something was trying to control her there was something there that she felt just paralyzed, like, I can't move. Yeah, yeah. Of, um, you know, we talked about a lot earlier on. I don't recall a lot of the specific stories. But um, it, it, like what you said, that definitely an element of control. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I think that there were weird things that would happen where she would kind of tell me what what things were saying to her. And I had a problem believing it like believing Mm -hmm. what she was like, I almost felt like it was like this good cop, nice things to mask some deeper agenda. Very, very weird time. And it's funny because like, I haven't, it's been so long since this happened. It's just like all coming back to me now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just, it's interesting to hear from another person's perspective with someone who, um, from your perspective with someone like your girlfriend that has a lot of these experiences, and it's very common in sleep paralysis to sense or feel that there is something else there in the room with you. It's very common. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I like that. Thank you for that perspective.
0: And I've even heard people um propose that 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 being, the sense of that other being is actually you, your yes. your, your astral body, or however you want to think about it, your non-corporeal body
2: yeah it's like you've come in contact with your with yourself yeah, so what very strange <laughs> what do you think what do you think um where do you think consciousness is where does it live
3: now, honestly, I haven't really thought too much about it um that's even better, so it's off the cuff <laughs> <laughs> um i guess I don't know i um I kind of take this viewpoint. Um, probably not the most popular one, but it's, it's what makes sense to me. Um, I, I think we're here
1: in this place um, as sort of like a, let's see. How can I explain this? Um, it, it's sort of like,
3: I think the, uh, the allegory or the story of this idea of um you know this this quote unquote fall of man is uh i think that there's something to that it just um i kind of look at it like the, the story where i guess it's, it's, there's some theological connotations to this but i interpret it in kind of a more abstract way you know there's like this uh this true creator essence force bearded man in the sky whatever anybody's version of what they think the divine realm is the universe and intelligence i don't really care again i kind of look at it the things that are going on uh are what's important rather than what kind of concept you have of that so i think that there was creation that happened from that in the form of whatever it might have been angelic beings in terms of like metaphysical consciousness, and maybe we were each given our own uh, free will, our own set of attributes, personalities, and, and things like that. And it was it was kind of like this gift, right? And I do find something to be said about the, the idea of the fall of Lucifer through pride. Again, I'm just using this as a mode of consciousness and human experience, not like some physical angel being like, oh, I'm falling. I did something bad, you know, kind of like that. Um, but more like trying to usurp that 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 creator because you think that somehow you can do it better or you uh you deserve to be the quote unquote most high and I think that the the, the, the idea in in Christianity of Lucifer being the most intelligent, beautiful like seal of perfection as a created essence or entity. Can you imagine? What all of those amazing that powers and attributes would be like if it had that false ego and wanted to glorify itself, and I feel like that idea applies a lot to what I think the controllers in our world are doing, where they want to be God, they want to be in control, and we
0: see that everywhere. Though, even you know, look at uh, look at Monsanto.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it's also within us, and so I think that. Um, I wonder if there's something going on here, where this is sort of like our opportunity to do that, to prove to that like it's free will, right? We if we uh, have this mindset that we can be greater than something, and we think that they're the bad guy. But I also think that maybe there's a component to the idea of like slander and accusing, building up a straw man argument, and like taking the good guy and making them seem bad with a bunch of lies and slander. It's almost like this is the the quintessential example I like to use. I could go down the street with somebody and point somebody out. I don't even know them. I could just say, don't you know that person's a pedophile? The person I said that to will immediately like... Forever think that. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is like the tactics that are used by this false deception where it can't be the highest. It can't be in control. And so all it can do is slander and attack what is... And it's it's a, it's a matter, it's a mode of behavior I see all around me and within myself. You know, it's sort of like when you have your own failures, you blame everyone else but yourself. I think that the quote unquote Illuminati, the controller, whatever you want to call them, I think they're like the ultimate version of this. And so we're in here kind of making choices and we're being like, I, we, I think a lot of people in the the quote-unquote truth or community are the, the one that's more awake. I don't like using those terms. You got to define it somehow. We get it that we don't want that. <laughs> and so I think that that's making some sort of decision in this realm and that's part of our opportunity to realize, okay, maybe we were duped before this. Maybe we had a misconception and we got put into it and now we're seeing what that really is. Like, holy crap. And then maybe some people weren't duped but they've chosen to come in this and you have to have this corrupted nature and body, but you're doing it to maybe help other people out. I don't know. I, I think that it can accommodate for a lot of viewpoints in like, you know, the ideas of karma and, and some of the Eastern traditions with some of the things in Christianity, rather than being so one-sided about things. That's just my viewpoint on it. I could be completely wrong, but it's also personal experience of things that have happened to me in my life. That that's just what makes sense to me and that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> all right. I think you need to explain that question, better, Nish. <laughs> just...
2: <laughs> so that was I mean, I was I was it, there that was with all That yeah. that's
3: our consciousness that we're here. That's like that we've taken from somewhere else. And I get that's- that I get that. I get that.
0: We mm-hmm. I guess what we were looking for an answer for uh do you ever think is consciousness part of your brain or is it an external oh. thing that's projected <laughs> yeah. in
2: local non-local yeah. where is it? but I really I super non-local. enjoyed what you just gave us though. So right, okay, that's okay. why I didn't interrupt.
3: Me neither. Okay. Well, I think that there is some thing that's like outside of ourselves that comes through like I I guess the way I could look at it is like maybe like a video game when you're playing a little character or something like that you're in control (laughs) but you're in a a reality fully immersive virtual reality yeah I mean (laughs) the the way video games are designed and I look at the world I I feel like there's so much that's paralleling that yeah but (laughs) to what extent I don't know so I, I think that if but what's the purpose? What's the point? I guess I went to that. And I skipped over the original part of the no, question. No, it's, it's
0: all good. No, that's another. <laughs> you just answered a question we'd ask later. So, uh, did you ever see that movie, The Thirteenth Floor?
3: Um, I, I for some reason okay. I was thinking Thirteen Ghosts. No, I haven't seen
0: Thirteen it. Ghosts. Is interesting too. Thirteenth yeah. Floor you should check out. It's uh, it's about a virtual reality simulation of of a nineteen twenties era. Where the, it's good. The characters realize they're in a, in a simulation.
3: Okay, I'll I'll definitely check that out. I've one, heard of one it. Of
0: them, yeah, it's a, it's one that leaves you with interesting implications at the end.
2: Yeah, it's definitely good. Mm-hmm. It, uh, geez, I is it like '90s Jer? Yeah, '99, I think. Like
0: 1999 was this incredible
3: year for crazy movies like that. <laughs> I love the '90s, man. <laughs> That's my era.
2: <laughs> Rock on dude. What do you think so on all this? What do you think happens? What do you think death is? Like what do you think goes on with all that? And especially since you have um up close personal experience relationship with it. Some people you know aren't touched that we've talked to and a lot of people aren't touched so closely by death. So it is always nice to get a perspective of someone that's been very close to it.
3: Um well I definitely have felt times where I feel some sort of influence around me that I would describe as being akin to the essence of like my mother or my grandmother, and, and maybe some other people. Um, but I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's um, that's a part that they imprinted onto you, and when there's some part of you that gets sort of engaged with that, you. You have some familiarity with it you you there's some weird symbiotic relationship there or if there's actually like okay somebody's passed on they're outside but maybe in some weird way they're still around in some other dimensional way I don't know how I really describe it I guess with all this metaphysical stuff since we don't really know I'm very open to a lot of different explanations and viewpoints. Um, but it it seems to me that I think that there's uh, some aspect of that going on. Now I I don't know if I would want to try to contact somebody through like a freaking seance or something like that. I wonder <laughs> if you would actually get what you're looking for or not. We don't. I don't yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I'm there's, not. I've always no been like yeah. very. Uh, scared about those sorts of things i'm fine if other people do it i'm not like you know some demonization person about those things but for me again my own personal limitations i'm like not for me
0: (laughs) i'm exactly the same it's it's if i can't verify that you're what i'm communicating with is what it is i don't want and you know (laughs) talk
3: to you later yeah and so I, i guess um and maybe we come back in a different form, a different person, maybe not. I kind of be one of these people, I just for some reason, don't intuitively vibe with reincarnation, but I don't have a problem with people believing it. Maybe that's what happens, but I I will give an interesting story that uh, happened to me once that might kind of, I don't know, fall into that category in some way. I was uh, walking around a neighborhood uh, a couple years ago for for my job, and I walk in this neighborhood or I walked in that neighborhood every day at that time for a client. And um, and so it was in the winter, and uh, there was this old man out shoveling in front of this house. And then across the street, there was a mother playing with her daughter in the snow. And I'd never seen this old guy before. I Like I said, I'd walked around that neighborhood, never recognized him. And I kind of walked by him, and I just, you know, anybody I walk by, I give him a nod or I say hi or something. And then as I walk by, he goes, Michael. And I turn around, I'm like, uh, hi, <laughs> that's me. I don't do I know you? And he <laughs> this is really weird. He says, You don't remember me? And I'm like, uh, I don't think so, sorry. And he's like, You saved me from drowning in drowning in I think it was nineteen seventy-nine. I wasn't born then. I was born in eighty-two. Wow. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of Michaels out there, but that's a pretty good guess. And and I said, I'm sorry, like I wasn't born then. And he had this look on his face, like he was so confused. Like, what? Like that that was you. You and I'm like, sorry, like I don't know what else to say. And then I just kind of walked away and I, I never saw the guy again, but that was a weird experience.
2: <laughs> That's fantastical. And I love those kinds of stories. That's I mean, because they do make you wonder what they make you. They make me ponder about the relationship of, with time that we have. And, um, and then, you know, you can springboard off into, if you want, into reincarnation. But what about alternates? And, um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And, and it sounds like he had complete conviction that that's who you were.
3: Yeah, it was a very <laughs> Neptunian moment.
2: <laughs> he, I call it just, a juicy he just had moment. a lot of
3: like, like uh, confusion on his face and um that's the only time anything like that has ever happened to me but mm-hmm. um and you would have th- thought
0: the, the michael that saved his life would be what 30 years older
3: right now, right
0: and he didn't even realize that
2: <laughs> but then yeah. maybe he wouldn't have recognized him that's what's significant to me is that so this is the michael that he recognized so it would have you know it's that it catch captures that michael at that time that age that look we
3: need so maybe i died him. in like 1980 or something and came back in 82 i don't know
2: <laughs> well does it even have to be like that when we look at like the multiverse or all you know so many other options if you're open there's just so many could ways it could play out
3: right yeah. and that's kind if, of like the nature of exist. a lot of the philosophy it's sort of like we're in a realm where we know time and space, and it's really difficult to imagine without that. But you know, like we we have these moments in our lives. Like I've always had this with my, um, you know, my my uh, two serious girlfriends in my life, where you're just like, you know, laying in bed with them. You don't nothing sexual about it. You're just having fun. You're hanging out, and it's just like you're almost like there is no time right now, and you're you've been mm. there for like four hours just goofing around being kids and stupid, you know, and it's just like, it's like this, it's almost like this weird dream realm where all that stuff goes away. So we get these moments of it, you know, with, with certain things in life. And um, it's, it's very strange because a lot of the times I think that we, we, we want to kind of hold on to that. I mean, I get that when I'm, when I get drunk
2: (laughs) and I don't, I don't
3: drink much anymore. I used to be a pretty heavy drinker in my late teens and early 20s but it was like I was always very happy when I was drunk and I really liked hanging out with all my friends and like it wasn't anything like
2: I love a happy drunk
3: yeah I just uh I was the kind of person was just like you know, I tell everyone exactly what I felt about them like all these good things though like oh I fucking love you man like I was that guy but <laughs> I did have moments in my life where that <laughs> turned into more darker things and that's when I realized I had to stop drinking. So if I can't be positive yeah, about poisoning. stuff, I I withdraw from something and I have to reevaluate, but for a time. But that to me is sort of like this realm where I would also be one of those people who would stay up till like 8 in the morning and it was like no problem because I was having yeah. so much fun. But I was in this world like there was no time. Like I didn't have any of the physical effects affecting me. Yeah, the next day afterwards when I came down, I felt it. but during that time, it was just like, I could have just stayed up hanging out with all these people because I was having so much fun, you know? And it's unfortunate that I I find a lot of those experiences happen when you're younger. And as you get older, they get less and less, at least for me.
2: (laughs) But but it does make you question, it makes me question the whole construct of time. When we do enter into those, um, that kind of Eternal moment, that experience that you just described beautifully. Like all of a sudden, we're like, "Oh man, I've got to do this," and all of a sudden, that whole Saturnian reality comes back. That brings us back somehow.
3: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's—I um I don't know. It's—it's it's strange. I guess that's what I have like hope in in this life. That at some point, whatever the hell's going on, and whatever all this messed up stuff that happens is like there's a point to it there's a reason i can speculate on the reason but i have faith that there is some sort of i hate to use the word like heaven after this because it sounds like very childish and simplistic but it's just sort of like i don't know for some reason i feel like things are going to be all right after this if we're trying to do our best in this world and and do what we can to be a better person grow and change yeah we screw up a lot yeah we can become Really evil, nasty people sometimes. But I think that there's a, a, a certain amount of people that are in like, you know, more in the higher echelons of what's going on that have kind of already maybe made their choice. Maybe there's some sort of NPC aspect to it, or maybe there's some sort of aspect where they've made a choice before they get in here to try to have their little controlled world and be gods. And so they're on this different level of what's going on where we're on a more, we're still observing and making choices. And so I feel like the vast majority of humanity is in that category. And so I don't really have like a lot of like fear about what comes after this. Unlike a lot of Christianity will kind of go crazy on That's That's another aspect of it that I really don't resonate with at all. All of that. Oh, unless you're saved, yeah, you're going to like, all that shit. Stuff. Like yeah. I just, there's something that's so intrinsically anti-human about that to me that I just like I've never ever been comfortable like I've entertained the idea but I've never ever intuitively felt like there's if there is like this benign god force whatever it is there's no way to me that that is how it is in this world um say for maybe some other select groups that are creating a lot of the extremely stuff and they, maybe they've already made their decision where I think that we're all kind of learning. I, I kind of view it a little bit with like the idea of karma. You know, we're in this, we're learning lessons for a lot of different things. We see all these strange manifestations of what, I guess this is another way I describe this world. It's sort of like we get to see in some weird way, like this illusion of like what isn't God and then we get to learn about God, what it is through what it isn't. And I think that a lot of the mechanisms and tactics of the controlling system and all the really messed up stuff that goes on in the world, that's like part of it. And um, that's just kind of how I go with it. And I have just hope and faith that after it's all over with, I feel all right about it, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll be, I'll be like, you'll be like, yo, Mike, you, you did some pretty good things, happy about that these things not so good but you you know you understand you 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 understand why you know and I, I that's just kind of like i have this like childish mindset about it which is kind of ironic you know like i think that when we're children we do have more of a connection to what that might be you know and and, and then as we go through this meat grinder everything is trying to to take us away from a lot of that in a lot of instances i think
2: Oh I totally agree. I, I enjoy your perspective here a lot. It's very mystical actually. You said something very provocative earlier and I made a note because I wanted to get back to it and it was your comment about whatever space may be. <laughs> so what 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 do you um could you give us more of that? What do you think space is?
3: Yeah, um well oh. I'm not a flat Earther, but I've looked at a lot of the research, and a lot of the NASA stuff, I just laugh at. I just don't buy any of it, or at least I don't see a good reason why I should believe any of it. And so to me, that opens up all these possibilities about what the hell when we look up and we see all yes. these stars, what is it? Are they like some sort of is that what hosts some of the quote unquote consciousness that comes into us here? uh Is it a part of us? Is it not? I don't know. It's it's, it's just it, that's what makes it so fascinating. After, even though like NASA and the Neil deGrasse Tyson specials try to make it so mystical and magical, like ooh the cosmos, what how grand is it? Neil deGrasse Tyson like going off on it, but the the, the, the understanding of it not being at all perhaps what they say about it is even way more fascinating. To me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and that's one of those. Conversations you can have with very few people.
3: Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) because
0: because, you know, like I've tried to talk to my father about it, It just starting with the moon landing, because I think that's where it all began. That's you. I think you said it best: was the spell that created space. You know, um, it solidified space in the consciousness of, of of humanity, and to try and disrupt that from people who are older like my my dad's almost 80 and my mom too so you know they're like you're crazy they they wholeheartedly believe all that shit so of course they're they're caught in that spell so they're never going to be able to think otherwise about space that could be that could be the key right there is break people's belief in the moon landing might help get space opened up more
3: yeah i think uh when I really just think about it again from that childlike perspective, Mm -hmm. like just the idea of going to the moon, I just think is so like, it's like, Oh yeah. They just like, everything they tell you about how hard it is and what they have to factor in. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it just sounds like a load of crap, especially like, Oh, we did it on our first try. You know what I mean? Like, it just sounds so dumb. Like I just, I can't help it, but (laughs) I I understand Mm -hmm. why people, especially the older generation, like that was their, Programming moment and I think the you guys probably know crow triple seven is I think he put it best where he's like back then We didn't have all of these tools of the internet to be able to watch a video break it down frame by frame Dissect things they had one shot at seeing something and you, you you grow up in this system where You know when you don't have all of these other perspectives I mean the internet as messed up as it is it does have all of these other perspectives that get flooded into it that you can at least consider Mm -hmm. where back then they had what was in the textbooks and then their own minds and so they they go through all of this you know magic ritual to try to put you in a mindset and you know i i don't even i wouldn't like you know my my father like that's one of the most defining moments for him in terms of like if you mention it they'll they'll, people get this look in their eye like it's like (laughs) that mystical look like all of a sudden I'm not quite talking to the same person. Um, or they've decided to set aside like the normal face that they have. And it's just like this dazed, like, oh my God, it's like great. And I'm I just I as soon as I see that look in people, it's not, you know, it's it's that look happens in a lot of different ways. People can get it through religion, people can get it through freaking anything, pretty much. But um I, I'm just like, okay, like. I'm not touching this one ever with my father unless it comes up with him because i don't I don't see the point I don't see what's the point of me trying to even argue it with him because it's like what am I gonna do? try to like we have a good relationship. there's no point in me trying to ruin it by bringing these things in. I have talked to him like this thing I like about my father is like he's very he comes from you know like he grew up uh he's got more of like a Christian Bible background, but he's very like cool about it. He's mm-hmm. very liberal about a lot of it. And that's what I appreciate. And so I can have a lot of discussions with him about spiritual metaphysical stuff. But the, the conspiracy world is where that's going to hit the wall. Right. And I'm going to I very subtly <laughs> alluded to him. I thought a lot of like you know shootings were suspect. <laughs> and I, I sent him some some email links to to be like this is watch these if you want. And I'm just saying, if you watch them, I, I can say, I can't say as an honest person that there's not something weird about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want me to send you anything more on it, just don't even respond. Just pretend like you never got it. I never heard anything back, so I just never mention it.
2: Oh, wow. Is he not familiar with any of your work?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I have an extreme <laughs> disconnect from my Matrix life with all of this stuff. Yes. I have very few people that I can talk to about these things. Yeah, me too. And that's probably one of the reasons why I ramble on about it so much. On like I am now. I love <laughs> it. Probably talk, talk way too much, but yeah, we, we, we will tell live you for up, it. So if we need to, <laughs> I yeah, forgot what I was going to say now. Damn it. <laughs> but but yeah, so maybe at some point those worlds will will merge. But for now, I'm I'm happy to keep them separate. Maybe someone will just randomly come across something sometime and out me, but. I also, I don't go on, I don't have a face I mean, I have a Facebook account, it's deactivated, I haven't been on it for years. I, I, I kind of stay away from any social media that has to do with my regular life. Anything I do on it is for the esoteric research, it's pretty minimal.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Nish doesn't have any online presence at all, except the no, YouTube. No, I'm on, I'm on Steam it I'm and Steam it. stuff, yeah. But not like, and, that, and that's YouTube. not social media.
2: No, yeah, I left Facebook and all that. I just didn't believe in their ethics at all. So way back years ago. Um, this is, I th- I feel like I we covered all the actual Nox Mente Plus. <laughs> this last stuff is my favorite where we get into the woo-woo and um, the space stuff is definitely a jumping off point.
3: Yeah, it's... Um... You know, I've always been one of those people, despite being very grounded and and earthy, I guess, I've always been very open to anything metaphysical. It's never bothered me. Any weird theories about the world, even if I like I've never been offended by somebody bringing up like some conspiracy, because if I really don't believe it, like, why do I care? Like people people believe some nuts things. I believe some nuts things. I have believed some nuts things. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I find it very interesting that so many people will, they'll, this will be one of those, these buzzwords that people will use uh, when I feel like there's some programming going on. Like, uh, people say, well, uh, this viewpoint is extremely dangerous or this, this is really alarming. I'm like, well, it's alarming to you because it's questioning your worldview. So it's like, for example, like, again, I don't have a dog in the fight and the whole shape of the earth thing, but I, have, I do notice a lot of behavior around it. And it's very interesting to me that you'll have these people who are like extreme NASA fanboys, all about science. And they think that like they have this personal mission to like go out and like attack flat earth and make all these videos and talk about how they're so stupid. And they'll, they'll always say this, you can't reason with them no matter what, how much proof you show them, no matter how many logical arguments you make, they'll never admit to it. They're just emotionally programmed or something like, well, why are you even doing it then? To me, it's a logical deduction that you're wasting your time if it's an emotional issue. So if you're so all about logic and reasoning, why would you even do it in the first place? And then the other thing is, that can
0: be said of both sides though.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just saying like, um, from that viewpoint of uh did you immerse yourself in the flat earth community for
0: a while um to check that shit out what was going on over i there? mean
3: i looked at a lot of it yeah but i wasn't like in the community really. but yeah there's definitely the polarity of yeah. it yeah you get but i'm both just both saying the, yeah, from, from that 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 perspective th- there's also this other issue i'm just saying because when you're all science-minded you're only thinking about logical rational things right without any spiritual metaphysical uh, concepts no, that's kind never. of why i brought that up and so the other thing is there's a lot more delusional beliefs out there like you know why aren't like there's way more scientologists than there are flat earthers yeah. so if you're yes. going to yes if you're going to think that this lack of reasoning like I think in Scientology they believe in like certain aliens or something yeah. like that. Th- Thadans or thalins. Yeah, like S- South Park did an episode on it one time. So so, anyways, that to me seems just as, as crazy from that mindset of, of the you know the more we love science people than flat earth. And there's way more of Oh no. What the Flat Earthers are saying is alarming to your worldview. If you really didn't think that they had anything Like, I'm just saying, like, for me, I just wouldn't care. I wouldn't pay attention. There's so many more things going on in the world. Why would I give two shits about what some crazy flat earthers think? It's very interesting, the emotional reactions that come out of people. I think that's what I was trying to make the point of. When you see these weird emotional reactions, and then there's a lot of buzzwords. I mean, hey, maybe the, the earth is a sphere we're flying through outer space. Like, I'm fine with that being right. I don't care. But I'm just saying, when you are trying to defend that, I don't understand why you would even care to do that to these people who are, you know, so crazy, right? <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very logical thing.
0: Right, plus, in in another way, it's not uh, our place to convince them. But if you choose to ch- tell them your opinion and they're going to fight you on it, screw them. But, you know, it's like, I don't know, that's where I've gotten to in life that I'm not about changing your mind. I don't want to. That's not what I care about anymore.
3: Exactly. Um,
0: it's just what I believe, what I think. I try not to believe too much but you know what i what i my viewpoints and my perspective and if you don't if you don't like it that's fine i'm not going to hate you because you don't like it or fight with you or whatever
3: yeah exactly and that's what i don't like about so much of the flat earth people right it's my way or the highway they'll they'll go to a a globe video and just type in the most messed up stuff i'm (laughs) like And then like ah oh God, like I dude, it's just the polarity of what I just bitched about, basically. No, I it's know, just I the know. it's the complete opposite. Opposite <laughs> end. It
0: just reminded me of a whole bunch of shit that went on last year with this one guy who started basically a, a flat earth um army of of trolls that just went around there trolling NASA. <laughs> oh, like yeah. NASA's live video, Where are the stars? I was doing that too, but whatever. Um <clears throat> That he was, this guy started a channel, he got big really fast, and then he um, he basically said, look, <laughs> we're taking the Illuminati back, we're taking all the magic back, it's all ours now, we're the new Illuminati, you're either a flat earther and with us, or you're not with us, you know, and he really divided the community. <clears throat> it was interesting, it was real interesting.
3: Yeah, and the other thing too, if you think about it, okay, let's just say that there's this infinite plane, they're hiding all this land with these resources. Like, what's going to happen, like, when you get there? Are we going to have, like, the Jaronism camp tribe versus the Eric Dubay tribe? Like, you're still going to be, like, fighting. Like, people think, like, oh, like, we'll find this amazing land and everything's going to be great. I'm like, right. there's still all these psychological <laughs> issues going on with people in this world. Do you really think, like, it's going to be that much different than here? <laughs> you know? Like, it's just kind of funny to me. Like. Human nature is it's it's hilarious, but it's messed up, you know It, it <laughs> is
0: because people deny everything they deny, <clears throat> they deny the truth and just like to believe lies. Um, or don't think about the, the complications.: uh, Some of you were talking about Dexter Land. D- have you listened to any of the Tracy Twyman's new stuff?
3: Yeah, um, she, she's, she's pretty interesting. I actually listened to her a lot over like the past three or four years. Um, She's always very interesting to listen to. Definitely. Some of the things that she says, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but like I listen to her on the higher side chats recently. Yeah, the, and that's good. Yeah. The hidden Is that hypers- what you were thinking about? Yeah, the hidden yeah.
0: hyperspace kingdoms. Well, I wanted to tie that also into the Flat Earth Men. This uh, Brazilian scientist group put out a movie. Did you catch that?
3: Oh, yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're into aliens, right? They're a cult. Their cult who put
0: this on—it's like, oh man, Belu. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. They were basically like Heaven's Gate of Brazil. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, again, that that whole thing that they were in a cult and it's like that—it pollutes their work, even if it's well done. You know. Anyway, I so know. I'll Get off topic that's, there.
3: It's it's weird though because like, that's an issue. It's like welcome to the the truther world, right? Everyone's got their weird quirks, their weird emotional programming. This is kind of how I view it. When you're in the quote-unquote matrix, it's safe for me to go out here in Boston and be like, how about the Sox game or, you know, whatever. Like, there's this, like, consensus that you say these things, you're going to get reciprocated back some sort of agreement that is on the surface amicable or pleasant or, you know, uh, some sort of relationship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But... So in that world, it, it, it's it's almost in some way, if you say the right things, easier to get along. But then when you go to the truther world, you're dealing with a lot of people who have a lot more individual thought about what's going on, but they're still carrying programming in these weird different ways. And I don't, I include myself in this. I always include myself when I criticize things. Yeah, we're and, all the same.
0: We're, we yeah, all have
3: it exactly. So. What I what I think is hilarious is like there's a lot of people who just want this like one researcher to have like the perfect truth for everything, and it's just like if you haven't realized that no matter how genius somebody is, how many brilliant points they make, they probably believe something really crazy. Like some of the actually most uh, well-spoken people in a lot of this stuff, when, once you hear some certain beliefs, you're like, oh wait, they believe that. Oh my god, you know what I mean? So it's like it's everyone is susceptible, you know? <laughs> if the
0: people only knew what George Bush thought, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <We>. <laughs> my pet goat. My pet goat.
0: I was talking about the whole Magog and Gog thing and Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Skull and bones stuff. Yeah, exactly. And Hussein, Saddam Hussein being the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar.
3: Yeah, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird how there's just so much biblical symbolism in places like this is the other interesting thing where people think that we live in this world that's you know kind of like secular i guess Remote, that's the image that we get you know uh, oh you know there's no religion in schools right. yeah there's no religion in this or that but it's no the foundation
0: s- of our whole cultural structure Yeah, there's There's no religion
3: religion. in science, right? And that was the whole reason I made the occult science is because I found a hell of a lot of religion in science. And I think that that's the weird thing that people really just, because they're accustomed to it, they don't think about it. It's like, why does the president even meet with the Pope at all, ever? Like, why does that even happen? People don't think about just that really basic emperor with no clothes thing. Like, if we have this separation of church and state, why would they even ever be in contact?
0: Why does he kiss his ring?
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He has to. And I think that so many things that are just, uh, you know, I I, I guess there's so many obvious things that are so simplistic that show something's wrong, that they're so obvious that people go through all of these details and rationalizations just to get away from that obvious point, you know?
0: uh, It was in that movie, I forget what it was called, but... uh, it was oh, geez, Ben Stiller said, it, or yeah, it was so overt it was covert? That's, exactly. The things are so overt, they're covert. I think it was exact, Robert Downey Jr.
3: Perfect. Yeah. It was that a uh, Tropic Thunder?
0: Yes, Tropic Thunder. Thank <laughs> you. Because
3: I'm like, that's the only movie I can remember them being together in.
0: Never go full
3: return. Yeah. <laughs> oh my that, god! That booty sweat. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I just love the intros at the beginning for the the fake movies. I
2: have an astrology question sure um i I just i'm curious about like 2018 and what you think could unroll unravel or roll out and i'm talking woo woo since we're talking all this stuff i'm talking about the crazy stuff that is possible that's all i have Um, first
3: contact with the leering cat (laughs) people anything (laughs) is coming throw a dog a bone (laughs) um you know it's interesting I guess, to me, the I always view the astrological, like, mundane astrology for, like, the world at large, I view it through the lens, you know, of the controlling system, the adept, the whatever you want to call them. Because since they are in control of so many institutions, really, the astrology that matters most, I think, is what they kind of put out there in the mass consciousness or what they're kind of... Uh, utilizing and so i think the the
0: profane astrology
3: well um yeah i think that uh well it's sort of like what they would want to put out to the masses based on the astrology so in the quote-unquote profane realm what they're trying to program us with and so that's kind of why i did this whole new world order astrological report so to me what what's significant coming up is we have pluto conjunct saturn and capricorn which will be the conjunction after the opposition on 9-11. So 9-11 was kind of a big deal, right? So if the opposition is kind of like the second most powerful aspect, the conjunction is the most powerful one, where we're coming up on the conjunction in that cycle. And then there's also that Pluto return happening where after 248 years, I think it is, we're going to be back. And there's all this weird alchemical symbolism about America having this like Scorpio transformation aspect to it. I mean the the eagle is the sign of Scorpio in antiquity and then there's this whole alchemical thing about taking the 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 eagle bird and transmuting it into the phoenix. So to me I don't really know what's coming but from the viewpoint of these occultists to me this is going to be like a huge cycle coming to return. I don't know what's going to happen but I think that they maybe they might try to pull some 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 bigger event i don't know i don't like to get fear porny about it maybe it's like a slow hidden kill you know um i really don't know but in terms of like metaphysical crazy stuff sometimes i think uh, it's just going to kind of turn it around but sometimes i think some of the crazy things are that nothing crazy happens Mm. um and, and that's really obvious you know like 2012 right there was this big hoopla around it I think that something did happen. There was some interesting consciousness shift, but I think that the subtleness of it is probably the more reality of it. Cause for me, I'll look at, yes. uh, I'll just give a personal example. Mm-hmm. Even though like, I have always thought about, you know, what, what's our purpose here? What are we doing? What the hell is this reality? I've always thought these things, but they were just kind of like things here or there just, Kind of floating through my head. I didn't think much about it. And then around 2012, just before that whole thing at the the solstice, I just noticed organically, I was thinking way more about like my metaphysical impact on things, like a more spiritual impact. Like, how am I treating people? What am I doing? I I felt like I had to reevaluate that more around that time. And I wasn't like into any of that stuff. In fact, I was always like, you know, Capricorn skeptic dude about so many things first. And then it just kind of naturally happened. And then once 2012 hit, I think that there was this weird veil that was lifted, and then we have a lot of people that are kind of like in denial about it. They're trying to escape from that. Because it's very Neptune in nature. Neptune and Pisces, that's kind of when it It didn't match.
0: It didn't match their expectations. So it didn't happen.
3: And then some people started realizing that something was going on i think that if you talk to most people who are in this world i bet a lot of them would say around that time like that's when a lot of these things started coming to more focus so i know i didn't really give a great answer as to anything huh. upcoming that's like really out there but that's i don't know i i don't know what to expect <laughs> yeah, I, i'm at well, a I, loss
0: <clears throat> i uh it was interesting to talk about the conjunction for 9-11 and i had
3: or the, 9-11 was the opposition.
0: The oppo- I'm sorry, the opposition. The opposition, for, for me in my head, the opposition was election day when Trump got elected because that was uh, 11-9. It's uh-huh. the inverse. And shit definitely has changed since then. So it's like that era of whatever 9-11 that ritual brought to us into this reality was erased by, or it only could last until eleven nine. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I saw it. Um, yeah. Did you ever look into the Vegas shooting?
3: No, actually, once I looked into enough shootings, I was just kind kind of like, "There's always something messed up." I, I just, it's sort of like crying wolf, you know. It's just like I
0: wasn't, I didn't mean to uh, expose. Just, did you look at any of the numerology surrounding it?
3: Or? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It was yeah. crazy, so like the, crazy, the, crazy. The Luxor Hotel, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there's a lot of. The, is it the pyramid there? It's like black or something. Yeah, it's a like black there. pyramid
0: with the Sphinx in front, with an obelisk or it, two two obelisks, I believe.
3: Yeah, I um, I or didn't look too much there. into the numbers, or I, I just I always hear certain numbers that are interesting. Like, go oh, wasn't the guy in the thirty second floor. Yes, um, he
0: was, but it's actually thirty third because it's uh, mezzanine. Oh, really? There, that's interesting. There's ninety ones everywhere. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I can't even. I did a three or four hour show on it. Oh, really? Yeah, we just talked about all the, the symbolism in it.
3: Oh, which one is that? I'll have to go back and listen.
0: It's. Uh, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Okay, cool. It's, uh, yeah,
3: it was crazy. Yeah, it's like, how many times do things have to happen where there's a giant obelisk somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, it's. It gets so redundant to me at this point where I'm just like, yeah, there's an obelisk. There's some crazy event. It, like, makes,
0: it makes sense, though, because think about all the dick-waving that's going on in the world,
3: right? <laughs> yes. It's like, my dick's
0: bigger than yours. Here's my obelisk. Look at D.C., mm-hmm. you know, the Washington Monument.
1: Or yeah. they
0: are some kind of receivers or transmitters of energy well, or both.
3: what's interesting is um, there's, there's usually a hidden component that has, like, the feminine aspect of it, but that's conducive mm-hmm. to the esoteric understanding. The more Male thing being more in your face and the feminine being the more passive like in the moon having this like illusory kind of behind-the-scenes thing it's it's also uh You know, you can look at it in like Astrology like the fourth house of the moon That's like your hidden inner world that not everyone sees and the opposite. It's like the outer world. So I, I found that um, Usually there's some hidden unity going on with certain kinds of symbolism, but the ones that people most obviously see is usually like that, that whatever falls under that male archetype of consciousness. Egyptian.
1: So,
3: yeah, but, well, <laughs> they have like a mirror of it. So like JFK's assassination, you have him in a car or a chariot uh, uh, going by the obelisk and having mm-hmm. a, 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 an accident of some sort. And then you had Princess Di um having the same thing going by the obelisk and then the obelisk will always have a fountain somewhere so that's the the feminine aspect Mm -hmm. of it and so it's just interesting like the ritual and there's a lot of weird ties to jfk's death and diana's death and and jfk is this apollo figure and apollo and diana were twins in mythology so i I won't get into that tangent (laughs) that's all my
0: work you just made you're just making me think about this I, i i I'm like, I'm like you, I, I walk that center line, you know, I, I'm playing the game board, I'm walking in the grout. But um, I can't help but think that maybe these things just kind of occur naturally, like the fountain being near the obelisk, and oh yeah, it's the background system's way of collecting energy. I mean, there could be no reason for it other than it's just the way it coalesces here. Or,
3: yeah, that's a big debate for me in my head. It's me like, too. Who's doing Okay, that? I believe that there's definitely some intention like to me there was some occultists that built the freaking twin towers i don't think that that happened organically organically especially when you have the rockefellers behind it no no 9 11 aside <laughs> yeah 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 but there's definitely like something about all of that symbolism that one has been embedded to our consciousness you could argue that if there is some you know secret society that's putting this out there it's just going to naturally organically catch to things and this is kind of how i think a lot of these things work anyways where Um, I talked a little bit about this recently with Emily and Randy from Off Planet. Um, And this idea that to control people, you don't have to do, uh, they don't have to be in on something. You Mm -hmm. just have to know how to manipulate them to where they share a certain amount of the consciousness that you want them to, and they're just going to go off and do what works for them without even realizing it. I, I hate to use the word useful idiot because it sounds kind of mean, but like. But you're right, you're absolutely right though. That's true. And so much of the architecture and stuff, it's just, some of it's just like natural things. I did a little video about how a house has like the compass and square mm-hmm. built into it a lot, just in Solomon's temple and the front doors of a lot of houses and that's just, maybe it just looks nicer that way. It's just a natural way of doing it and then the esoteric world attaches concepts
0: Right. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube named John Rasmus. He's a paranormal investigator or something like that. And he's real big on corners of rooms being spiritual, where spirits have portals or gateways there. Mm-hmm. And he was talking at one point about how uh, that's why there's square houses, because it gives you portals for spirits to enter and exit. If you lived in a roundhouse, you could be safe. you know. I thought that yeah, was pretty and, interesting.
3: Um, Wait, it's but- <laughs> like squares are... Uh... You know, squares are typically, you know, representative of like things of tension. I mean, think about like square in astrology, that's a tense aspect. So maybe like this is a a fundamental thread in a lot of this doctrine, too. You need a certain amount of tension for these quote unquote magical acts. So that might fit with that, having a a tense angle, allowing that to build up to, you know, unite the spark to get something to go somewhere Uh, crazy, you know?
0: Um, The other thought I had about as far as, Back to the discussion we were having about uh, cause, who, the who, right? Where is it coming from, the intention. Uh, especially in Vegas, because there were so many things that lined up. I kind of had this thought that the, the shit all lining up like that is really more of a feedback for whatever went down, if something went down. That, you know, whatever happened there released an energy that produced that effect. Those, those numbers came up. It, it, was a, it was an effect, not a cause. You know? Yeah,
3: that's definitely... I, after looking into the JFK stuff, mm-hmm. I have to, with all the symbolism there uh, and the numbers, I have to conclude that it's, it's a number of these different ways that, like you said, there's something that manifests out of some intention mm-hmm. that's Kabbalistic in a way. And then there's definitely some things that are thrown in there that are intended, but like you said, it could be the effect of yeah. blowing up whatever they put into it, and then it just starts, it's like little octaves of each other. Yeah, exa- like exactly,
0: that. exactly. Then they scale. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. But yeah, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, cool. Those are my questions. I'm done. <laughs> I think someone had a question in chat about,
3: where was that? Oh, we have a chat? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, this is live. Oh boy! Really? Uh, <laughs> I, don't
1: want, I don't, don't want to read those see, comments. It it's crash my computer.
0: <laughs> no one has said anything, but this guy is so awesome.
3: <laughs> well, good. Now that I've said that, it's going to manifest, right? <laughs> no, not at all.
2: We do have a cool, generally a cool audience. I haven't seen any. That's one thing. I'll, any bad Just, just a,
3: a quick addition to what you said. I, I've noticed that when I'm on like forums or something where people are talking about astrology or things of that nature, 99% of the time, everyone's really cool with each other, and there's no fucking drama. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it's like, oh, but yeah. the astrologers are satanic, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, dear. It's like their, their, their forums are way more cordial than a lot of Christian forums that I've seen.
0: Yeah, the Christians are just, they have fighting bread into them. Here's yeah, the question. We have
2: a cool core here. Yeah,
0: we do. Definitely. Mary asks, uh, with your zombie dreams finding your girlfriend, do you think it's related to the struggles in your relationship The zombies?
3: Uh, I think the alien dream was a girlfriend, but same thing, something messed up that you don't want (laughs) to be messing with. But, uh, yeah, probably, definitely. Um, You know, it was sort of like going through all of that fear to, um, you know, just kind of show yourself that you really care about somebody. And you know, once you're there with them, like the rest of that stuff doesn't matter in some way. So uh, there's definitely there's got to be something deeply psychological there about it for sure. And um, you know, I've also noticed that uh, here's another dream I I'll mention that is kind of like the antithesis of this. My my first serious girlfriend who I was with for a while. We had a very bad breakup, um, and uh, essentially, uh, she ended up cheating on me, and it was really messed up, and there were some things that I did that made her angry at me, and I had to realize that rather than being a victim about it, and I had all these dreams where in my dreams, I wanted to hurt her really badly, it was like whether I was yelling at her or just like hitting her. I know that sounds messed up, but just it's a dream, and I couldn't do it. Nothing worked, and she was just impervious to it all and then once i had it click in my mind that there were so many things that i contributed to that you know maybe she acted in a way that was really extreme and and bad but i was i fueled a lot of that resentment that came out in a very extreme way and so it's very interesting those dreams completely stopped after i kind of manned up and realized that i was i was definitely an asshole in a lot of ways it, for me that was a lot more like subconscious things. It wasn't a lot of obvious things, but that's the stuff that builds up, you know?
0: Right. And too much can manifest.
2: <laughs> I love that's part of the power of dreams. It's great mm-hmm. on a personal level of processing your psychological stuff. That An example of how we can heal ourselves by looking at and listening to our unconscious in these ways through dreams. That used to be one of our questions. Yes.
3: Well, I definitely have nightmares about certain things. Like like when I was in college, I hated it. And I realized, like, I, I did have some, like, insurance money from my mother. So some of that went to that. So what, you know, it wasn't a lot, but it was, it was enough to get through, you know, a year or two years. And I just hated it. And I, I just felt all this kind of pressure to be there. And then once I said, no, I'm done, it was like this huge weight was off my back.
1: Yeah. And that yes. allowed
3: me to do so many other things that I wanted to do. And when I told my dad about it, I was kind of scared about it, but he was so cool with it. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd done that earlier. That's one of my, my, my more proud moments. I'm like, I'm really glad I did that, but I will have reoccurring nightmares about being back in college where I'm like, for some reason I decide to go back and it's the same problems. Like, oh my God, I'm wasting all this money. I'm just so not interested. I have all these distractions. I just, it just, oh! And I wake up like, oh, thank God, that was a dream. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like that's one of my worst nightmares is going back to college. It's really funny.
2: There's a lot of, um, there's definitely psychological studies around that about people who are, you know, going in and getting programmed to do a task, which is kind of what college is these days. It's not the old school stuff, Um, and and so when in, in some companies when they're looking to find um, the right kind of people, they like those people that went through and jumped through all the hoops and were the yes people, yes, I'll do this, instead of the ones that seem to fall more in the independent mindset, uh, the C people generally that, are qu- that question things. Why am I doing this? What's my motive for doing this? What's the outcome? And all that. So I'm with you too. I struggled with those things.
3: Yeah. I think that it's, it's one of these things where it's not for everybody. Right. And I feel like growing up, at least in the time that I did in like the late nineties, there was so much emphasis on going that it was almost like, this is just what you do in Western society. It's still that way, though. Yeah, yeah. And and you're probably way more expensive and more in debt. But like, it was sort of like I was being sold this vision about something. (laughs) And when I got there, it wasn't even close to what that was. But no one had the balls to say I was lied to. You know, like uh, I I had this whole thing where, I mean, after I left, I still lived with a lot of people who stayed at at college. And so I remember when I went in, they were like, I went to the University of Vermont. and. I uh, I remember them saying, like, oh, when you graduate, like, nine out of ten people find jobs in their field, right? <laughs> That's kind of the whole thing. You, you just go out there, you start making all this money because you went through this. And so I I had a lot of friends, and definitely it was more like one out of ten of them found something in their field.
2: Yeah, yes, and I'm like, so well, many stories if, like that.
3: If I'm going to do a uh, statistical analysis and take a <laughs> – maybe I'm just sampling the completely wrong group here, you know, like – it's just one of those things that like there's so much illusion built around it and I think that especially yes. now kids grow up and they're, they're a lot more I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way but just more, more sheltered, hampered
1: yes, and yeah. that
3: unfortunately it takes precious longer for snowflakes.
0: you
3: <laughs> yeah. it just takes longer for you to uh, develop your own identity and so if you go to college they give you an identity there it seems now and so people the program, don't really that's, that's program what it is. with one it's, yeah. They don't get to, you don't get to think about what you're doing. And
0: so it's like. Critical thinking has been removed from the education system over the last 20 yeah. years.
3: And some people do well there. I do have some friends that they went and they got good jobs and they're happy. they they, they have a family. Maybe they're not in the conspiracy world, but that's okay. It was good for them. But like, I think that there's so many people that are pressured to do it when it's not good for them. Um, and it's also like you're told, okay, what are you interested in? And you are like, oh, I think I am interested in right. computer science, right? So you go there and, and you realize you're not interested in it, but you've gone through so much that you're in debt. And you're like, well, I kind of have to go through it now. Yeah. To, or, like you get trapped and it's just like, well, what's wrong with telling a kid? Why don't you go buy some computer science textbooks yeah. and read through them, try to learn it on your own and see what you feel about it. And if you don't like it, at least you didn't drop, you know, a hundred grand in debt to go do something you didn't want to do. Like that's the simplest, like most logical thing ever. And like, I'll have this conversation with some people who have kids that are going to college and they'll actually agree with me, but then they still go on with like encouraging them to go. It's like, they, they get that, but they have like all this pressure. And I think a lot of it is the parents just want to say, it's like an ego of the parents oh i want to say my kids at harvard it's like that's that illusion is more yeah. important for them than with the actual reality of what their kid is was probably good for them or not and they it's like the new moon landing illusion right they a rather right, right, right. fast one
0: it, it, yeah but there's the stock market's safe to put your money into yeah all of that stuff is like that i have two girls in college right now and i told them both not to go <laughs> did not encourage it. I think it's a waste of money and time. By the time they graduate, they're both in pre-med going to be doctors. I'm like, by the time you're out, everything you learned will be changed, most likely.
2: Well, especially the medical system now Absolutely. too. is so crazy. Yep.
3: But you know, you you give them a you need to give them a choice or or, or give mm-hmm. them a real choice rather than like you did, you know, like and, and explain the mm-hmm. other side of it. And I think that some parents they'll say. Oh, you don't have to go to college, but they'll give you all of these. Like, You'll be working subtle... at fucking
0: McDonald's for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll,
3: <laughs> they'll, they'll scare you into that. And it's just like, you know what? I learned more about me working a shit job in a kitchen for five years and, and people and stuff like that and more about work ethic and discipline. <laughs> yep. And I, I wanted to get out quickly, of there. That's
0: not what you want to do for the rest of your life
3: yeah well it, it it's all this
2: value judgment and what is so exactly kind of what we're talking about in today in any way is getting on the surface of things you are not your title you are not your possessions you're not even your bloody body and so we we're trapped hackies. in this world where everything <laughs> thank you thank you Sorry, and, I had and, throw and a fight, so we're Corbin, trapped there, in this world we love fight club um, but just we're trapped in this world where, where we are the people questioning why why did we do this those of us who participated and those of us who didn't you know that have see, been lucky enough to see through it and then we're all just trying to swim around and go what the fuck is going on you know yeah, and
3: is that really people... space
2: above us <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's like the other thing too is like the people who are are the most educated in those upper echelons like most of them are the most like it, it becomes an ego thing, you know? Like it's and, very
2: ego driven.
3: And it's a horror thing like to imagine that you were taught something that was maybe even an outright lie and completely wrong. It's like so destructive to your mindset that I, I understand why people don't want to go there with a lot of this stuff. And I have a lot of sympathy for it. But I also think that just because you went through a university system and you realize maybe afterwards what it was, you can learn a lot from that experience where like, well, what were the things that blinded yes. me going in?
2: Absolutely. Let me think back
3: and like really understand what my mindset was. And that can help you improve to not fall into those traps as you go through the So I don't like to look at things as wasted. Like even though I'll go back, I'm like, God, I really wish I just never went to college. I'll say that all the time. But I learned so much about just psychological behavior of people around me Mm -hmm. the, the whole like...
2: Participation mystique, all of
3: that. Yeah. And it was weird. We had kind of like, these were like the two schools of like stereotypes where I was. There was like the more hippie, but like you would call them like the trustafarians. And again, I don't mean to be mean, but these are just like the (laughs) stereotypes that there's a reason stereotypes exist because a lot of people do (laughs) adhere to them. They don't have to, but they choose to, you know? And so, and then there was like the frat, frat boy thing. And it was interesting because one of my good friends from high school was there and he ended up being in a fraternity and he ended up being the president of it. And I would go hang out with them. And some of the frat kids were really cool. I really liked them. But then there was those ones that I'm like, dude, this guy is, oh, God. But the thing is, in that environment, because they're your brother, you have mm-hmm. to, like, right. you have to have some sort of, you have to kind of, like, cater to them, you know? Yeah, and there's, that, like, a
2: sense of fealty.
3: Yeah, and then I noticed with the, the quote-unquote, you know, trustifying the, the people who are all about smoking weed and being anti-corporations and stuff like that, some of them were some of the most, like, Despite you know like this laid back vibe, like we some of them just, end
2: up running the
3: corporations or, or some of them were just like ex- <laughs> extremely um self righteous yeah um, and, and hypocritical, like one guy I remember like I made a joke one time i didn 't really know this guy very well, he was just in my dorm room, and he uh I made a joke like somebody was talking about some product that, that sounded like a funny invention i 'm like, oh i'd invested that in the stock market, I made a joke right about it, and he was like. <laughs> Fuck the stock market! Down with capitalism! He, like freaked <laughs> out on me. My like, dude, one, it was a joke. I don't have anything in the stock market. And two, you can be all anti-corporate as you want, but I know you got a PlayStation Two in your room, and video games are the epitome of capitalism, where they release just enough to make you buy all the controllers, yeah. and then yeah. you know it's just like so hypocritical. But like they choose any moment to be all self-righteous on you, just because of a key word. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's that's how programming works. There's a buzzword. to attach what somebody must think about that buzzword because they use it, and then they they get to flex their righteousness muscle on you because of that, or in their mindset. That's what they do. You know, and it it all makes a a case. It's triggering. It really is. It's
2: triggering, and it all kind of makes a case for the NPC idea. Some some of this does for me at least. Like people that just move on through the masses that move on through you know, their, their programming is just, it's, I'm not saying they're not people though. I'm just saying that they they've just done everything they should do. They've gone through their lives and they're, that's that. I think
1: I can explain, explain that for
3: a
0: learning experience. That's the yes. way I look at it.
2: It's <laughs> a good way.
0: I can probably autopilot. give
3: a video game analogy to express what you just said. There's certain games, like you can be playing. And then when you want to take a break, you just hit like, Bot mode, and then the bot goes around and does stuff for you while you're away. <laughs> yeah. like yes. the, maybe they've lineage chosen lineage to be on the bot that, mode yeah. a lot more often than they are on, like the actual. You know, like that would be an analogy <laughs> for that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's perfect. It really is. It is. It's like that movie Click with uh, I don't know Adam if I Sandler. Saw that,
2: Jerry.
0: Adam Sandler meets <laughs> Don Knotts in the back of a Best Buy. I know it sounds creepy, but um, <laughs> gives him that. this remote control <laughs> that will. <laughs> fast forward and but, pause his life.
3: The uh, the last oh, video I do games, remember that. The last video game stint I did was this game called Left for Dead. That was my final farewell to video game. gaming. Yeah, there you go. That's probably why I had so many zombie yep. dreams. But that's what you could do. It's like oh, I'm playing, but I can just let the computer take over while I go take a leak, and it will do whatever. So a lot of people are probably like you know what? Maybe the game. Is, is does better than I do, so I'm just gonna let it kind of do what it. Does you know <laughs> <laughs> it kills enough zombies more than I can my own?
0: <laughs> it knows where they all are, it's programmed. Yeah,
3: yeah, but
0: that's the AI is always <clears throat> this is the thing that bothers me about AI uh, within a game or what they call AI, the computer opponent is that it always has access to all the data of the map. So, to speak, it knows where things are and it you know, will always seek those things out. Sometimes you can use that to your advantage too. So,
3: yeah. And I think that the other thing about like, well, just random tangent on AI, it's sort of like what with a crackdown on like, I think a lot of the censorship and stuff like that. AI doesn't understand sarcasm, no, in humor and things like that. And it's unbelievable to me how like people will espouse it as being like so much more intelligent where it's like some of the most obvious things like to just a regular human, even you can have a lower IQ, just somewhat of a sense of humor mm-hmm. would know the context. And so out of all the brilliant com- computing and things like that, like right. stuff like that, it's just sort of like you can say a joke. And the funny thing is they might censor you for something for you making a joke of actually agreeing with the viewpoint that would, they would want to be the mainstream, you know?
0: I know, or teaching your dog how to do a high all sign, right? <laughs> um
3: have you have you done that <laughs> i have I ha- no you haven't the heard cat, about-
0: at least the cat no, have you not heard about that oh, lord he, i
3: have
2: not heard of a it a youtuber
0: myself, but... in england taught his dog to do that and oh
2: got,
0: yeah i did got arrested yeah okay i totally forgot what i was going to say but it was really interesting
2: <laughs> Jerry.
0: i tangented myself off of my topic oh, you oh, totally oh. did if i remember it i'll email you uh, no, I don't remember. Yeah, Count Dracula is a guy. Shit. What were we yeah. talking about? <laughs> oh, just Computer. AI. And- yeah, AI. AI. And yeah, 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 yeah. So bots. I'm not scared of AI. I'm scared of people allowing it to make decisions for them. Because they might not be, it might not take that, AI will not take your best interests into account. It'll just make a logical decision. So if you want, you know, Mr. Spock making decisions for you, from Star Trek, that's good, maybe that's what you want. But I just see people embracing it, like uh, in the Amazon Echo or the Alexa or all those cute right, devices, people right. talk to everything. Besides the privacy invasion that that is, um, I just think it's, it's laziness, and it's only going to lead to more mental laziness in the future, much like we have today from the lack of whatever hasn't been taught in the last 20 years. You know, They don't even teach cursive in school anymore. Kids in the future won't be able to read the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence.
3: Yeah, my curse is pretty bad. (laughs) Mine is too. I'm not saying it's terrible, but I
0: did learn it. (laughs) Exactly. I print everything, I always have. But that's because my my dad did. My dad, that's a whole other story.
3: Yeah, I think that the technology aspect is just having a certain amount of responsibility. Like what I was talking to you about earlier with, uh, you know, here's the thing that drives me crazy about the whole. Higher education argument. You know, people are complaining about, you know, college is so expensive, education systems all screwed up. Everybody wants some entity, some organization yeah. to fix that. Yeah, where it's continue like
0: continue to feed it.
3: You know, with all of the stuff on the internet, like there's so many resources to just, you know, you can't become a brain surgeon on the internet, but you can look into a lot of different things and read a lot of different things. You could probably learn calculus on the internet if you wanted to. We have all this, these free or somewhat free if you buy the books, but you know, way more cheap than a uh, higher education. Gotcha. You have all of these resources at your disposal to at least put yourself in a much higher realm with that, but people will choose to watch, you know, cat videos as 90 percent of what they do. I don't have a problem with people watching cute cat videos. I'm not going to say I've never done that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's nice. But
0: when that's all you do, especially if there's a cucumber. uh... I totally hear you. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you, if you remember, you might not remember, but before the internet was so prevalent, uh, people would talk about how, oh, it's going to change education forever, you know? Right. And that didn't happen because nobody will trust an internet degree at a company, you know, because it doesn't have, just like you said, that accreditation of a Harvard or whatever. And that that's a shame that it's got this, I don't, I don't know, I built porn websites kind of connotation to it. That if you have an internet degree, you know, that's what you do. That's what you learn.
2: And but, that gets back to the whole value aspect of the, you know, people attaching to, right but to I mean, qualify themselves.
0: What de- what de- besides medical and legal, what degree can you get where you can come out of school, working out of college, working, you know, Entry level jobs, definitely computer science. Probably it's close.
3: As all the technology ones. That's about it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I mean, what are you going to do with a poli sci degree? Or they always
2: say that like art history, how about stuff journalism? like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: What I have a friend
3: who was it was a poli sci major, mm-hmm. and he ended up becoming a cook. There you go. And because he really liked it.
0: And how much does a student debt right now?
3: I don't know.
0: It's probably quite a bit. <laughs> I just read something. Trump's going to forgive student debt of veterans. I thought I read that.
2: That's a good thing. That's... You should get rid of it all. The yeah, I agree. Know, I agree. My, I think f- we need a redo on this. Personally,
0: like right now, I think, uh, what are we, like $20 trillion in debt, the country? I say, let's go down in flames. Fuck it. Let's spend as much money as we can. We just print it. It doesn't really matter. Let's fix shit. And then, yeah, we got a big debt. Yeah, we'll just get rid of it. Let's start over when we're done, you know. We'll spend all this money, get everything fixed, and then say, fuck it, we're doing a monetary system. That would be awesome. Be I, I do,
3: back to Nish's original question about, like, what's coming up maybe in the next three or four years, astrologically, I do think that there, maybe there's something with the financial system that might be tied to that. Again, I don't like to get all, like, ear porny about it. Maybe they're going to try to... Like, you know, all the, the cryptocurrency stuff, like there's something weird going on with it. I wonder if there might be like some event where they might try to pull some shenanigans with it or something like that. I'm not really sure. So, well,
0: I got thoughts on that. But do you know who Bix Weir is? Road to, Ruda. Road to Road to You don't know him. You'd know him if you knew him. Yeah. He, he says, his belief is that Alan Greenspan is uh, the guy who invented Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And he did it as a white hat in the Fed to rescue us from the Federal Reserve System in the future, which is now, he says it's now. <clears throat> so he believes that the cryptocurrencies are the new currency to take care of everything when the dollar falls, when the Fed goes away. So.
2: And that, it's interesting.
0: People have been talking about that for a long time, but never yeah. from that angle. And that ties into a lot more of his story, which has to do with gold and the, and the Grand Canyon and a lot the more stuff. The whole slogan. road to Ruta stuff. Yeah, it's interesting shit.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because like the currency, I always think of it as like spiritual currency if it's not really backed by anything, and then you have all these occult symbols on it. There's something weirdly, I think, connected to that. What exactly that is, or what the controllers view it as, I don't really know. But... It's
0: energy. It represents energy. It's your current, your flow, your currency. It's it's energetic representation in a physical form. You you put all your energy into working, and you're given this back. So it's transmuting your energy into this paper.
2: Yeah, it's the so language of symbols, which is sigils, and whether they're activated or not, they're swimming around us. We're swimming in them.
3: Yeah, the that's the thing is like I'm so dumb when it comes to financial things, and like I just my my eyes glaze over when people start talking about it. So I just kind of like.
2: I hate Again, things here hate or
3: there it. and same thing with, uh, you know, like science stuff. I was never good with that. Like, uh, just, I don't know. Like I've always been more on the psychological, philosophical, uh, sociological analysis end of things. That's what was always more natural to me.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Me too.
0: I'm but, a science uh, and math guy.
2: <laughs> That's why Jerry and I make a good team.
0: We but are a the, Taurus and I'm a Pisces. Hmm. <laughs> well, i don't think there's any more questions that's it for me that's all i got
2: yeah we you thoroughly covered all yeah. all of our two and a half Nox hours
0: stuff. perfect perfect length i would well, like thank you to, guys thank you well so much on. yeah yep yeah. go ahead i'm
3: sorry sorry no i'm sorry i kept interrupting you guys i feel bad i think no. there's a little delay too maybe in the audio there, there is it's but. cool i just want to say thanks
0: <laughs> a lot for for coming and uh making um changing your schedule to come on. I suppose I did that, but whatever. Thank you. It's been awesome talking to you.
3: Hope to keep Do you have?
2: Tell us about your yeah, website. Please plug whatever this. you want. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. I'm kind of in a transition phase, but um, right now I have my YouTube channel with everything on. I'm, I would like to get off YouTube in the future. I have a Vimeo channel where I'm going to be going more towards, but I'll give you a link. It's a, it's a link to, I have, I have a blog and I have a post that goes right to it with Every resource, everywhere you could want to go to find any of my work, keep it simple. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Thank you, Michael. This has been very enjoyable.
0: Yes, thank you very much. And thank you all our listeners and people out there.
3: And uh-huh. I Big can, love uh, to our core. Maybe I can have you guys on my podcast at some point in the future. Anytime you
0: want. We That'd lo- be great. We love it. We love going on other people's shit. Um, a <laughs> podcast, not the show. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> <Jerry's>, <laughs> I got it. There is a nasty. All
0: right. So, anyway, next week we have John Brisson from fixyourgut.com. That is going to be a pretty fucking amazing show. So, everyone should check that one out. And we will see you then. Have a good one and
1: be well.